This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome to the Chelsea Fancast, fueled by Guinness, powered by Celery, the show that loves to dish out a firm smack on the arse once in a while. Arsenal FC, the gift that keeps on giving. Arsene Wenger, the gift that keeps on giving. Arsenal Fan TV, the gift that keeps on giving. Arsenal Fans... The gift that keeps on giving. Instead of burying them, as we have been for the last 13 years, we really should be praising them for the days of endless entertainment and hilarity they have given us. They never let us down, do they? Saturday was no exception as we dished out a lesson in how to man up, defend, press and counter-attack with lightning speed and ruthless efficiency. All this, plus one of the best goals I've ever seen at the bridge by Eden Hazard, as the Chelsea rapier slice through Arsenal like the soft-scented cream puffs they are. Football gods, please, don't ever let this change. It's too much fun. Arsene Wenger, we want you to stay. <laughs> oh, God, I enjoyed that. I am Stamford Cheech, and the name of tonight's show is the Chelsea Fancast. Arsewipes. There could be no other title. Anyway, I should have given that more dramatic pause then, shouldn't I? Anyway, uh, joining me on... I am, I am I just was saying to Tony before we went on air, I, 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 seldom have I enjoyed writing a script as much as I have tonight. It has been an absolute joy. Uh, but anyway, I've got in the house, I have the lovely Tony Glover. Good evening, good evening, good evening. And I've said three good evenings there, Stephen Fry style, without a swear word in there yet. Well done, um, well done. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm saving them up for probably later, but there's so, there's so little to be wound up about and so much to be joyous about. And mm. and, and Arsenal fans TV made my night. You know what I mean, blood? You know what I mean, blood? Come on, fam. You know in what I mean, fam. blood? In it, fam. In, in it, fam. fam. <laughs> 
They are just too, they're just too much. Um, anyway, look, we've got, we got Tony in the house. And for those of you, uh, you, you probably already realised, actually, but we've also got uh, a repeat. We've pretty much got a repeat of last week's show in many respects because we've got the lovely, fantastic, the ever-so-popular doyen of the Chelsea fancast. It is the lovely Ms. Alexandra Churchill. Or am I Derek or am I Clive? I never <laughs> figure that out. I don't know, actually. Well, I'm, know. I'm I'm incredibly short, so uh, I think Dud was Derek, wasn't he? Um, yeah, you'd be you'd Chich- be cuddly Dudley. You'd be cuddly. Yes, Dudley. I'd be cuddly Dudley, and uh, and Alex was was somewhat taller than me. She did have about twenty two inch heels on, as I recall, but she was somewhat taller than me and uh, far more glamorous. So uh, yeah, she'd have to be. Um, Derek, I think. <laughs> Can't call you Clive, yes. though. You are my smart buddy. Yes, indeed. Okay. You could go on like this ad nauseum, I know. Uh, anyway, uh, we've also got... Uh, yes, thank you. I fail. Uh, now, those of you uh, who are wondering what's happened to uh, Jonathan Kidd and his pirate, uh, I'm afraid that uh, they are running a little bit late. He's obviously been thesping somewhere for the BBC in London or something, and... He's texted me to say he's on his way back. So uh, hopefully he will remember that the procedure, the protocol is he texts me and then I Skype him, not <laughs> the other way round. Anyway, all will be revealed. Um, and uh, I should tell you what we've got on the show tonight. Um, amazingly enough, we will be talking about Arsenal. Now, uh, what we're going to do in part one, we're going to celebrate one of the best goals I've seen at the bridge. We're going to marvel at the phenomenon that is N'Golo Kante and we're going to cry foul Arsene Wenger. Who was crying foul? Uh, anyway, in part two, we salute Courtois, but can we keep him? Uh, we explore what is wrong with Arsenal and, in particular, their fans. Should we thank thank them for the entertainment or just refer them for psychiatric help? Uh, and we'll ask: Is it all over? Bar the shouting, and what are the trickiest matches we've got coming up? Uh, in part three, we're going to look back at the draw against Liverpool last Tuesday, applaud Louise's free kick, and ask: Was it two points dropped or one point gained? And we'll also give our very own tribute to Sir Frank of Lampard, who, as we all know, announced his retirement last week. Now, in part four, we have some, I mean, unbelievable emails. I mean, that you lot out there have excelled yourselves this week. And we got one from Alan <coughs> Gavaran. We got one from Julian Spranger. One from Barrett Duperon. Uh, one from Paul Marjoram. And one from the lovely Annalie Press, who I was... Uh, I'm delighted to say I managed to have a beer with her before and after the game. Now, at least two of these emails might well make me cry. Uh, You know, they are that special. I mean, they're just brilliant anyway, so I can't wait for that. Uh, Hopefully, Jonathan will be with us in time to read them. I don't doubt it for a second. Now, uh, don't forget, of course, you lovely lot, you can listen to the show live every Monday at 7 o'clock by going to Mixlr, which is mixlr.com forward slash Chelsea hyphen fancast and uh, if you do you can pretty much join in uh, with the chat and all sorts of other things we've got loads of people in there already or oh, by the way actually if you if you want an easy way to go and find Mixler just go to the chelseafancast.com website and if you click on Chelsea Fancast Live the link well there's a player embedded in the website I mean how easy is that so we've got loads of people in the uh, Mixler chat rooms tonight including Gaffer now actually Garfield Bailey I saw him on the way home when I uh, I rocked up at Imperial Wharf Station. Gaffer's saying there's no sound. Yes, there is, Gaffer, because nobody else has said there isn't. Um, if I was you, Gaffer, just refresh. Refresh. No uh, impugning of your personal hygiene. I'm talking about your mobile phone or your iPad or your computer or whatever. So there we go. So we've got Clive Lewis, Eric Morabito from the States, uh, Jacaranda Chick, Matt Jazz, the wonderful Matt Jazz, 
who I love to pieces and love uh, love his stuff on Twitter. Shed up a man. Ramsey's in the house. My buddy from the trust. Loads of you up there, uh, and it's fantastic. So enjoy the show. I'm going to really enjoy it tonight. I'm determined so to do. Anyway, after this little break, we'll be talking the football. Okay, um, for me, uh, there is absolutely, unequivocally, one place to start this week, and it has to be, it just has to be talking about uh, that fantastic goal uh, by Eden Hazard. But I mean, before we actually talk about that, what I'd really like to talk about is actually, I thought his 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 performance was superb overall. I thought, and and especially so because I mean. I know there was a bit of a, you know, people were a bit naff about him, uh, you know, particularly after the Liverpool game. Um, but of course, you know, this is the thing that really annoys me, actually, about football clubs in general, though I can't blame them for not saying so. But quite often, it's tempting to like go, well, what's up with him then? Blah, blah, blah. And then you find out that he's been carrying an injury for a few weeks, which makes you look like a right plum, which is why I don't gob off like that on Twitter too much and seldom do on here if I can avoid it but yeah I mean Tony considering he's been carrying an injury what a, what a performance mate overall let's not talk about the goal yet just talk about the performance overall fantastic he was, it? He, was, he was awesome uh, and you would have struggled for a man of the match I think Kante got it I think you know pretty oh, much from everybody yeah, um, powder dry I'm, about him Yes, oh, indeed. I, jokes, actually, I, but, I, I have, I have read the, I have read the, the script. But yeah, I mean, Eden has has long been a favourite player of mine since he's since he arrived at the bridge in a, you know, kind of arrogant swagger and you know people going, is he, is he as good as he thinks he is? He patently is. He's also reminds me of a cat, in the sense that cats basically give up when they're ill. They just like lorp around, going, oh god, that's it. Um, <laughs> like me, mate. Yes, and I and me as well. I think he, he seems, you know, I think whenever he gets a knock, he he seems to go into a kind of permanent man flu coma, um, and you know he doesn't always perform the best. You know, this is a player who I've described a few weeks back as football engineering. He is perfect. He's got. I'm sure Alex will probably back me up on this, but I think he's got a good ass. I think he's powerful legs. He's his centre of gravity, the way he moves. Uh, and the way he can catch, you know, just trap a ball and move it. And on Saturday, there was an example where actually from a cross-field ball. Now, I don't think he's particularly tall. Um, he, he's, he he jumped up in the air with chest puffed out and cushioned header back down to, I think it was, um, it might have been Azpilicueta or someone behind him. But it was fabulous to watch. It, you know, the guy is a phenomenon. He's ours. We should be doing whatever we can to keep him. Um, and I said last season when people were coating him, he's a very good player. And the last thing we need to be doing as Chelsea Football Club is selling another good player. Yeah. We should not be giving him up. I wouldn't take £100 million for him now. I think he's worth far more to us. If, if he can turn stuff in like he has done this season, three games aside where he still contributed and then to produce that 
which, you know, I mean, I know we're going to talk about it and I, I, I will say my piece when it's my turn. But that 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 was season ticket. Um, well, money talk back. about it now. Talk about it now. Come on. let's. let's, let's I, I can't hold it back either, mate. Just go for it. I, you, we were there. I could see you. I'd looked up to you um, uh, literally a few seconds before and I lost you after that goal went in. Right. Because honestly, the minute he picked that ball up on the halfway line, there was a sense of, um, oh, and I'm getting out of my chair. You know, when people just start to sort of fidget and go, hey, what could this could this could. And when that ball hit the back of the net, I can't remember Stanford Bridge celebrating like that for a long time. Possibly, as uh, my mate said to me, maybe when John Terry scored that, um, you know, three seconds before he ended equaliser against Everton. Um you know, and we pulled a drawer out of absolutely nothing. Uh, maybe that, but I, I don't know. That was the longest, most passionate celebration I can remember. And it was just, fab- it was a privilege and an honour to see that and be there. Because to my dying day, when the Alzheimer's kicked in, when it's rotted my brain away like a Dali painting, okay, <laughs> that will remain. I'm bloody positive of it. Yeah, it was. I mean, here we go, Alex. I'm going to. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll ask Tony again in a second, but I'm going to ask mm. you first. Is is that one of? I won't say it's the best goal we've seen at the Bridge. I don't think it possibly is. But is it one of the best goals you've seen at Stamford Bridge? Just because it was against Arsenal, and just because it really like stuck the knife in, and the fact that he got round, I think six or seven bit. Like some of that was someone trying to get up and foul him a second time. But he basically got around seven times different people while being yanked at pulled. And there was a point where he got to the end of the 18-yard box where I just thought, if you don't put this in the back of it now, you're going to look like a mug after all that because you've just absolutely <laughs> swept three quarters of their team aside. I'd just pin him down and lick him if I got the chance. Do, do you know what? I, I One of the things that I thought about it, not really at the moment that would be lying if I said that but uh, for me it, it reminded me of that Maradona goal against England in, in the in the World oh. Cup in 86 it, it was I thought it was I mean he beat a similar amount of players left enough you know s- several of them yes. on their ass, and it really yeah. had that, know- that, that that about it you know but he, here's yeah. the thing here's the thing you know I mean I mean Tony mentioned it as well but he's right I mean I was lucky enough to be standing up at the back actually because uh, I had a mate with me and we've got a little place where we tend to stand. And, you know, I just went absolutely loopy. I mean, if, if Steve hadn't have grabbed me, I'd have been five, six, seven, eight rows, you know, down. You know, Tony knows exactly where I am in the ground. And I, I could have been at the front of the blooming Matthew Hardy and Upper instead of the instead of the back. It was just yeah. superb, wasn't it? But anyway, it Tony, is it, is, it, is, it, is it one of the best is it one of the best girls you've seen at the bridge? Without a doubt, you, you know, you go about important goals. We all love a 30-yard screamer, okay? Mm. And I mean, I don't mean, you know, I mean an absolute belter, one that's going to take the back of the net out. They're fantastic. Some of Frank Lampard's goals, works of art. Um, you know, there was Essien's equaliser against Arsenal a few years ago. And you can just list them all. They're brilliant. But you know as what, a piece... As well. go on. So, yeah, go, go on, on, Alex. I just say that I distinctly the words Alex Sandwich were uttered as that goal went in the back of the net and I ended up squashed in between the two guys that sit either side of me. That's how excited they were about the goal yeah. going in. Well, I, you know, I, I, I can honestly say afterwards I had a bit of a, what you might call a twitch. It was fantastic. To, yeah. To see that, to see a, a Chelsea plan, I, I'm, I'm the only one I think that I can come 
close to that I've seen in recent years was probably Joe Cole um, against Manchester United when we won the league yeah, um, at Stamford Bridge. Uh, and he, he did a similar sort of goal, but uh, th- there were less players to beat. Um, For excitement. The thing, the thing is, though, the thing is, guys, the thing is, Tony, is that what, what makes that goal special and you know, and it will make it stick out in our mind, I think, because I've seen plenty of goals that have been brilliant shots or something that happened in the box or something or a screamer, but very rarely do you get to see somebody run from inside their own half, beat that many players yes. and put it away with such a plomb. And that is what yeah. makes it special. Now, all right, we've now, we've now, I'm delighted to say, got Jonathan with us as well. And we've, we've just been absolutely going potty, Jonathan, about Hazard's goal. And, and it's, you know, saying it's one of the best that we've ever seen. And, all the rest of it. I mean, Jonathan, you have seen more football at Chelsea than all of us probably put together. Where does that rank for you? Is it one of the best goals you've seen at the bridge? Uh, it is. It is. But um, I think Messi does them every week like that. So I don't think we need to go. We don't need to go too mad. Ooh, I think controversial. He needs, to, he needs to up his game slightly, Hazard, if he's going to. He be is messy. running around goat farmers though with the bottom. Well, half actually, of do you know what, yes. Jonathan? That's that. That Jonathan. That's a really brilliant thing, and it just shows what an absolute pro you are. Because the next thing I was going to ask, and I shall ask it of you. Uh, first, but uh, there's been quite a lot of conjecture. It's quite interesting, actually, because Cundy moans every week on on, on the sports bar uh, about Arsenal fans calling Meza Ozil world-class. He's a world-class prick, that's for sure, but not a a world-class footballer. But, I mean, you know, there is a similar debate about, well, whether whether Hazard is world-class. Is he up there with Ronaldo and Messi? Could he be up there with Ronaldo and Messi? Clearly, you don't think he is world-class, but do you think he could be? I think he could be. I think it's difficult to assess, isn't it? Because uh, there are only two runners in the um, uh, in the Spanish league, aren't there? It's just there's well, a couple of them are quite good, other than Madrid and, uh, and Barcelona. So it, probably it's easier to run round people. But I, I don't know. I think if he's playing with better and better players, perhaps his game just goes up and up. I mean, I have to say, it was a fantastic, fabulous goal. It's absolutely brilliant. And uh, um, but if we if we want to become um, champions of Europe again, which we do. Um, he has to do it more often, and um, uh, as they all do. And I think they're getting there. And I think this is Conte's aim. And I like, but you no, know, I was completely, uh, I, you know, I couldn't. So that terrible moment where the bloke next to me, who I didn't know, who was a, it wasn't, it about, wasn't Wenger, you know, was it? Eighteen. No, Wenger, funnily enough, was only about, uh, only about eight rows away from me to the left. Yeah. <laughs> and um, and uh, it was Jonathan. Really Jonathan. The, Jonathan. What, yeah, Jonathan, yeah. if ever there yeah. was a day to have invited me to sit next to you, it would have oh, been that day. God, what a fool. I didn't have the ticket, though. I didn't have the spare. Because, I, I mean, obviously yeah. I would have never been yeah. allowed back in Stamford Bridge again, but it would have probably been worth it. <laughs> you'd, have, you'd have possibly hurled yourself off the, uh, the mid-year <clears throat> into the, uh, in, with joy, with such joy at having abused him. But, um, yep. uh, no, the, the board of things, but I seem to be the right height for people to, they think that... I will involve them in an enormous hug. If they try and hug, that I will go, yes, yes, I'll hug you, complete stranger, even though you're a Chelsea fan. And we had that terrible moment where he sort of held his arms out as if to hug me. And I held, and I thought, thought, shall I go for it with this hug with this bloke who I don't really know? And uh, in that moment, the, the moment went and he turned to his mate and hugged his mate. Oh, that's sad. I know it was sad. I felt I've let you down. I've let you down because I should have hugged you, despite the fact you haven't spoken to me at all during the whole of the first half. Up but that's that what football's about: um, is, is hugging, hugging strangers. You know, as long as there I are know, no tongues involved, it's okay. I, you know. I thought I, I, I let him down. I let everybody else down. Oh, oh well, never mind. But the girl next Listen, to me, mate. the woman next, the woman, very quickly, the woman next to me burst into tears. 
after the wow. goal. She burst wow. into tears. She said, it's the most fabulous goal I have ever seen at wow. Stamford Bridge, she said. And I thought, and to be to give it its accolade, now I've started off being slightly negative, but I'm just saying it's my big thing about, you know, we've got to win the league easily this year. And then he's, he, whatever he does, uh, what, I know I have such faith in him. I think because each week people perform better. I mean, Alonso was out of this world on Saturday. Mm. I mean, you know, absolutely phenomenal. And, and so was Moses. You just go, if he can do this with everybody, do we need to make big signings? But he still has to make the team into a team that is capable of getting to the semi-final or the final of the Champions League and then winning it. That's what he's got That's to do. That's what we've got yeah, to be. Yeah, mate, I tell you, we... You know, a lot of us were talking about that in the pub, actually, in, interestingly enough. And I think that's something that we'll get into, I think, uh, as the season progresses. And it's even more certain that we're going to win the title. But I think we should really move uh, things along in the kind of, you know, seven minutes or so that we got left in this part to, to this wonderful, absolutely wonderful player that is Kante. Because, you know, no matter how well, oh. um, no matter how well Hazard played on Saturday, for me, you know, again... That there could only be one man of the match, and how the sun, how the sun, how the current effing bun could have the temerity to give him six out of ten, the same as he gave Koscielny and Ozil, they need to resign from the human Racist. race, let alone Racist. let alone journalism and football punditry. <laughs> but anyway, Angolo Kante. And Golo Kante, I mean, absolute clear man of the match for me. Phenomenal work rate. He is always in the right place at the time, right time. I mean, here's a couple of good gags for you. I did promise Tony these, but I mean, 70% of the world is covered in water. The rest of it is covered by N'Golo Kante. But um, tush. Uh, but the best one of all is apparently I heard at the weekend that Kante lost his virginity, but then he won it back. <laughs> There's another one as well. He can win your virginity back. He's that good. But, yeah. Anyway, um, Alex, as, as I've been, I've been rudely ignoring you because I was so excited to get Jonathan on the line. Um, what what is there that one can say about Kante that we are having to say every week? I mean, what an absolute player! I just as well, just he's so humble about it there's no attitude there's no swagger there's just I go out on the pitch every day and I work my nuts off till I drop that's what he does mm. and he's mm. epic at it and I honestly think he's one of those players it just reminds me do you remember when Essien absolutely owned Gerard in one of those Champions League games and all yeah. those little pictures went round of Gerard in his pocket that's Kante every week Every single week. I, I've got to interrupt you for some wonderful breaking news talking of gags. And I'm, I'm astonished that the lovely Jacaranda chick has said this, but she'll probably absolutely berate me for reading this out on air. But it has to be read out. She's just said, I would love, I would have Kante's babies, but I doubt we could slow down his sperm for this. <laughs> Which is out there. It's brilliant. <laughs> Tony, Tony, I mean, here's the question, though. I mean, you know... As it's Super Bowl, and I, I, I will, I will, uh, for our American brothers and cousins and sisters out there listening, I will, I will have one sop to the Super Bowl, which I would normally no. never allow. But, but is is Kante Tony, you know, our most valuable player? I mean, I, I kind of get this feeling now that the one player that we really cannot do without is this man Kante. That's tough. Uh, yes, I think when he's on the pitch, he definitely is. Um, 
because you know someone i don't know it might have been nice guy kenny said look you know i'm gonna say this now but um he, he was gonna have an appointment with claude mccalaley because then um, he needed to break the news to him that the, his role name had changed mm. um because i think it has this guy is a phenomenon like he said he broke up so much of arsenal i mean they must have been absolutely just soul destroyed but everything they tried to do he they broke were, up they were they were, and I just, I, I just think that, that players like that are, you know, what they get on with it quietly, like Alex said. There's no swagger, there's no um, showboating, there's nothing else. Just this cheeky grin. This, comp- I mean, the guy. Did you see him interviewed after the game? He does not shave. No way does he shave. No. He's too baby faced, <laughs> right? You know, you can, we can do all the sure products you like, mate, but he doesn't really need any shaving foam at all. And he, and he has a smile that lights up from, you know, from from ear to ear. He looks like he's thoroughly enjoying himself. He is um, our MVP. But, and I will caveat this: if we lose him, you know, uh, with a little bit of jiggery pokery, we have still got Cesc Fabregas on the bench. And I know you've had a bit of a poke at him in the past, but when he came up that last ten minutes, he looks fantastic. This is a guy that has not moaned. There's been no leaks to the press or anything like that. So, you know, I'm not worried that we lose Kante. I, I'm a little bit worried, but I think I think Conte, Tony, my mate Tone, yeah, I think he's I think he's got a knack with players that you know that, that previous managers and other managers that are long in the tooth and long in the game have lost. I think as well that we're getting to the point with Conte already where people would, we could argue that we can hang on to players who might otherwise have left because they won't want to leave Conte. Mm, that's an interesting point, actually. But I have to say, Tony, I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm sorry, but Conte is a completely different player from Fabregas. I mean, you know, Fabregas is no, would be no substitute for, for Conte at all. They're completely different players. Now, I'm not trying to you know, belittle Fabregas, because, I mean, I do have a bit of an on-off love affair with him, but, you know, I and I agree with you that I think that when you bring him on uh, as almost like an impact sub, it, it, it works perfectly for us, but he he is a completely different player than Kante. Anyway, look, talking of uh, talking of uh, Fabregas, um, I'd, I'd love to... Actually, I must tell Jonathan this first, because I know it'll amuse him, but I was, as I said, I was standing uh, next to Steve Mantle up at the back uh, for the match, Jonathan, and you know, obviously after the Hazard goal, I was still quite kind of euphoric having just been rescued from falling about eight rows forward. I mean, I did absolutely go loosey. And my end fell, basically. My own personal end fell. But uh, I said to him then, I said, do you know what? What would make my day now, Steve, is if Czech threw one in. And then what happens? He passes it to Fabregas. I mean, it was wonderful. But I mean, picking up on Tony's point, Jonathan, it's quite interesting, isn't it, how it's evolving with Fabregas? Because, you know, he he, he clearly still has a role to play in the team, even, even if it might just be as an impact sub, do you think? Well, yeah, I, I, I think that's the that, that's his dilemma, which I think he's coping with wonderfully. I think he works marvellously as, as an impact sub, um, as does William. Um, uh, mm. And they tried to change William and Pedro the other day. And uh, I, I didn't think he played as well, William, when he came on the Liverpool game. Um but but yeah yeah the, he he it's also to do with with the, the physical nature of the game as the opposition just gets completely knackered dealing with us and, uh, and so when Fabregas comes on and he plays mm. this plays these huge diagonal balls to absolutely pinpoint accuracy um, it's a 
it's a, a fantastic weapon in the armor, armory because it stretches the opposition completely. And it's at that stage of the game. And I think the problem is earlier on, it's all so much tighter and you do need the Matic-Kante um, combination in yeah. midfield. So it works for him coming on late. Um, but uh, he is, let's be honest, he's a magnificent player. And, uh, and we mustn't lose sight of that. And if, if, he's, if they can keep it that way, if he's, if he's uh, um, uh, you know, completely accepted the, the Conte plan, he's aware that he'll be winning honours non-stop. Yeah. And he's, Something and he's he never managed to do team. at Arsenal, it's of course. The, <laughs> absolutely. It's the, it's, the, it's the team ethic that he's trying to get across, isn't he? And uh, um, if, if, he, if he draws into that, you know, accepts that then, then that, then there won't be any problem. But I... Yeah. I I, I, as I said, I don't see him as a as a starter because I think the the uh, the opposition always come at you much they're more energetic, and it always seems to me that when he comes on later on, the op- the opposition are they're either they're either like Arsenal were 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 befuddled by what had gone on, and so they and they're ripe for then any kind of trickery, um, or uh, it, it just adds something else because he's got this good relationship with with uh, with um, Costa. So he's uh, more. No, I'm, he's I'm, more. He's more of the dessert, really, isn't he, Jonathan? Listen, mate, talking of... Uh, uh, you were talking about Alonso earlier, and I just want to have a very quick uh, praise for him, really, because I agree with you, actually. I think, you know, he's he's hugely underrated, I think, and he has this wonderful knack for scoring goals. Um, before we praise him lots, though, Jonathan, absolutely not a foul in my book. I mean, how, how pathetic of Wenger to call that out as a foul. Every single pundit I, I, I listened to or heard or whatever or read at the weekend... None of them said it was a foul, apart from Wenger, Jonathan. Oh no, I was um, I was doing a job this morning with two Arsenal fans. Who of course, said, uh, "Well, you know, of course, if you just leap up and elbow somebody in the face, of course it's a foul." I said, "Excuse me, he didn't leap up and elbow somebody in the face. He went for the ball. His eyes were on the ball. The big thing when I was, you know, on my Grade Three refereeing, but when I was um, uh, taught by the, the referee." Peter in Fulham, the guy said to me, uh, the bit you have to just have to look, if the player's looking at the ball, runs for the ball, attacks the ball, it's not foul play, foul and dangerous play, there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. And the ball was up in the air, two players went for it, one is little and is, is, doesn't have a run on the ball at all, and unfortunately, because of the, because of the, the energy that Alonso puts into it, it has a collision. But but they're also talking about well he raised his arms. Well, how else are you supposed to to jump? Yeah. We don't all jump with our um, as if we've got you know our hands as if we're as if we're um, um, we're clog dancers, Irish clog dancers. Um, you know, in the middle of one of those Michael Flatley things. You know, um, it, it, it's we you you try and get up as high as you can. And he was absolutely mm. legitimate. It's just absolutely. Uh, I've got an Arsenal mate. He wrote me a note saying he said saying that the goal was uh, he's he's very reasonable. Thank goodness. Hope saying the goal was a foul is just. Is, is Wenger clutching at straws? Pathetic, absolutely pathetic. But anyone, anybody absolutely who agreed with that is ignorant about football, frankly. Oh, um, oh. Tony, I mean, you know, I, I would admit, I would imagine you'd say much the same, actually. I'm going to say exactly the same. Mm. Um, it, you know, it's hard to see. You know, this is this is a man at the end of his 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 career. I think in, in Wenger, I think it's, mm. you know, this is a man who's pushing officials over, um, having to go at opposition managers, pushing the shoving. Um, you know, there, there appears to be a bolt loose somewhere. Um, as far as I can see. <laughs> um, and, uh, he, he, he looks, I, I think he looks like he knows it. He, he, he reminds me in, in some ways. Of He's the, a beaten you know, the, man, Tony. He looks yeah, like a the, beaten man. It's the Muhammad Ali thinking he can take on Larry Holmes, you know, when his career has been gone three or four years. It's that kind of um, 
that kind of thing. There's a line in the um, Manic Street Preacher song, if you tolerate this, your children will be next. And it, it just simply says, and on the street tonight, an old man plays with newspaper cuttings of his glory days. Because that's what yeah. I see what he's doing. He's living on a, on a host of past glories. And um, it, the, the, these younger breeder managers are coming out on that. I just want to say about Alonso. A lot of people sort of dug out the fact that we were buying a bloke who played for Bolton and Sunderland. Okay. Now, I've grown up in, a, in an era when, you know, in the 70s and 80s, when good managers picked up players from teams like that and turned them into bloody great players. And it's something we seem to have lost in the Premier League, where it's just go out and buy a night, yeah. you know. Yeah. And Conti has taken a player that nobody really knew too much about or whatever, but a couple of people in Italy... Um, uh, and a couple of the senior football uh, writers, like Marcotti and that, seemed to know something about him and said, you know, this guy could be really good. And boy, is he shoving some words back down some people's throats. Mm. Good on him. Excellent. Yeah, well, yeah. good on you for bringing that up, actually. Now, Alex, we're going to round this part up. I just wanted to mention yeah. one very important thing. And, you know, I'm going to designate you as our, as, our, as our kind of main cheerleader, not in a Super Bowl type sense, I hasten to <laughs> Um, but I mean, it, we should mention it. I mean, lovely Andy Silverman, and I hope you're all right, Andy. And sorry to hear about your news earlier today, but Andy mentioned it, um, and I therefore think we should too. And and I, I think the atmosphere on Saturday was absolutely brilliant, particularly when you, you know, take account of the fact it was a it was a very early kickoff. Um, but it was really funny because I talked to Steve Mantle they, when when Liquidator was being sung. I I could tell this crowd mm. is up for it today. And it was the best atmosphere I've seen for a long time. When I tell you that people in my little block of Gate 17 were quite often all standing up and singing and clapping, then it's like hell has frozen over, frankly. I mean, Tony will will, will know that because he sits not too far away from me quite often. It was really superb. The one other thing I would say, Alex, is that we really need a song for Kante. And I think that if there's ever been a more fitting person for the he's here, he's there, he's every fucking where song, it is in Golo Kante. But the atmosphere was great, wasn't it? It was amazing. You know, we did have the David Luiz song turned around for Kante and then we went and signed David Luiz back, so now we can't have it, which is a shame. Can I just say on Alonso that that aspect of his game where he follows the ball into the six-yard box for any rebound that comes back out, we haven't had anyone do that as well and as consistently since we lost Frank Lampard, where he follows the ball in and he's there if it comes back out to just touch it in. He's really good at that. But yeah, the atmosphere was outstanding. I thought you could right. be right. You could tell before kickoff that it was going to be a good one. Yeah, that was great. Stuff. Was Look, we should stuff. move on. We should. We, we need to move on. But we'll pick all this up in a minute when we've uh, gone and have a lie down because it's been too exciting by half for me. That's for sure. <laughs> I'm getting too old for this shit. Anyway, after the break, we're going to salute Courtois, uh, but ask, can we keep him? And uh, we're going to explore what is wrong with Arsenal and in particular their fans. Should we thank them for the entertainment or refer them or refer them for psychiatric help? And of course, we'll ask, is it all over by the shouting and what are the trickiest matches we have coming up? We'll see you all in a second. The only place for Chelsea fans. Footballfancast.com. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to Chidge and the boys on the Chelsea Football Fancast. Total nutters and proper Chelsea. Welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and you are listening to the Chelsea Fancast. And uh, guess what? It's the same lineup as last week. Talk about. I'm, I'm doing a Conte here. 
You know, basically, it's this, it's this three for the rest of the season unless there are injuries or do you, do you a, a dramatic loss of form. Or if anybody like Costa gives me any grief. Okay, so you're all on, <laughs> you're all on notice there. Otherwise, it'll be go to China then. Uh, anyway, somebody... It's, it's, the church, some, church, it's, it's working for me. It's working for you, yes, I thought so. I have to say, the, uh, you know, under my rules that I tweeted out when the whole Costa-China debacle was going, I said only Chelsea players with an R or an L in their name should and could go to China. On that basis, the only person likely on the fan cast to whom that would apply would be Tony Grover. <laughs> anyway, talking of which, we have got Tony Grover on the show. We've got Jonathan Kidd on the show. We've got Alex Church on the show. The Derek and Clive, the ad nauseum. I love them. It's brilliant. Like, I, I, obviously, they, they, they carried over so much from last week. I'm just delighted to have you back this week. But, uh, Jonathan, I'm going to ask you this first. Um, because, you know, it's been on my mind, and we've, we've kind of mentioned it obliquely. It's funny, isn't it, how I always kind of put him last in the script. And, and, and actually, I've done him some uh, a service tonight because I've moved him right up to the front of the script in part two. But dear old Thibaut Courtois, the, the policeman oh. from Allo Allo, bless his heart, you know, quietly, this season has got absolutely straight back to his absolute best. And he made, I mean, he made a good save in the first half, but he made an absolute world-class uh, save in the second half. That one he, the he clawed away. Yeah, the header. Who, yeah, it might be Giroud who, who headed it. But anyway, he clawed it away. It was earlier this, than this, that, I think. It was earlier was it? than Giroud, I think, yeah. Yeah, and it was great. Well, he's I superb, agree. isn't he? Yeah. Well, it's like having another goalkeeper. Because um, he, he's just raised his game again. I suppose, is it easy for goalkeepers if the defence is really operating well? It yeah. gives you the confidence to then think, yeah, I can, I can deal with this. Because last year, um, he, was, he was useless. He didn't look like, yeah. uh, let's be honest, he didn't oh, look yeah. like, you know. But he didn't, he didn't look like what the, the, the player that we got to replace Czech and was supposed no. to be the Chelsea player for the net for the for, for the the, force, uh, the the foreseeable future i mean my worry is is all this conversation about his family's gone back to madrid and you still i still think he's a slight disaster waiting to happen from he a, still doesn't a, talk enough no no indeed indeed i think he'd well um i i, I don't know it, it's do you know so what do you know what talk, 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 talking yeah. of him talking you know yeah. in my in my head in my mad addled chidge brain I really hope and wish that when he does talk, he does actually talk like the policeman from Allo Allo. That is actually well, him. Officer Crabtree. Uh, yeah, Officer yeah. <laughs> Crabtree. Well, he looks like he him. That. Do you think he does he that, He looks Jonathan? like he... Excuse moi. Can you, can you... I can't do it, you see. But, I mean, maybe we'll have to work on that, Jonathan, as a comedy routine for a future fan cast. What do you think? I'd love it, Trich. I'd love it. <laughs> But I mean, like you know, it's a really, it's a really, it's a really good point that you made there, actually. And I, and I, I wonder if actually he has been helped hugely by having this year a, a really decent defence in front of him, Tony. I mean, you know, they they do look solid. But I mean, for me, this is it reminds me of the Mourinho era. You know, the first Mourinho era when we were so solid that, you know, if if you know, this is kind of what you want. You've got a great defence, but you know, you it is going to get breached. It's a fact of football life. And that's when you want your world-class keeper to step up and save their asses, And that's what he's doing, isn't he? He is, absolutely. Uh, there were three, well, I don't know if you want to call them world-class saves. My mate, when you get in a car, Chelsea Bob, he's always the same. He says, oh, it's one with the bloody papers. That was, wasn't it? And I'm thinking, hold on a minute. <laughs> but the point-blank point header, well, it was a, a good header. I, I'm glad it weren't Giroud on the end of it, because I think that would have been in the back of the net. Uh. Um, 
but that header uh, was it was more striking. He still had to react really quickly, and he did not push it back to an Arsenal player or to mm. anybody doing an Alonso. He got it out of the way. He stopped the one from Ozil, which was it wasn't the greatest shot in the world, but it came through a crowd of players right in front of where where we are, Chijer. Okay, and then the Welbeck one, which I think was going in. There's no question that was going in. Uh, I think it's the defence. I think the fact that the defence are, 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 are you know work as a unit. All defences work as a unit with their keeper. Okay, and when it gets breached, that's when your keeper earns earns their corn. But it's also because that absolute knob. That absolute prick who who, who was a, a, a stain on our club for the last few years, Lolly Sean, has gone. I'm glad he's gone. I wanted him to go because I think he ruined Czech in the end. I really do. I think he absolutely, yeah, all Czech's game in the end became oof it up the park. There was nothing else there. He had a weakness on his near side. Um, and I, I never really rated him, even if he took check through the good years. But um, when a goalkeeper says, I don't like him, I want him out. Yeah. And the club don't do anything like they didn't last season. He was still there. He's only left this season, wasn't he? He only left in the close season or whatever. And I think that's obviously made a big difference to him. He's got somebody there now who presumably he likes, who's teaching him new things. I think he's even gone into the papers and said that, you know, that he's now learning new stuff. Uh, you know how to how to how, how to move differently and all this sort of stuff, um, and it's no coincidence that you know ultimately your defence doesn't. You know, what we conceded sixteen goals this season, I think mm. something like that, right? Your defence doesn't stop that happening. Your goalkeeper has to play a massive part in that. I'm glad to see it. Can we keep him? Great question, um, because young goalkeepers of that level, you know, they're 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 not exactly you know you can't go down Blackbush Market and pick them up on a Sunday morning. Um, no, you know, not there so hard I to hope, sign. I mean, exactly. Tony, that, that, that is a brilliant, brilliant point. And I'll open this up to Alex as well. I think Tony's got a point there, Alex, because, you know, they are really hard to find. I mean, look at the look yeah. at the problem Liverpool have had with their goalkeepers. I mean, United <laughs> got lucky. United got lucky and they're doing anything they can to keep hold of De Gea quite rightly because he's a phenomenal goalkeeper. Lloris isn't, isn't a bad goalkeeper at Spurs. Um, Arsenal thought that they'd got a great keeper in check, but I think he's passed his best. Um, and uh, and City are having an absolute calamity with their keepers. So I think if we've got check, we've got to keep him, haven't we, Alex? And so what what can we do to keep him? Um, do you know what? Whether or not we keep him completely depends on De Gea, because only one of those two can go to Real Madrid. And if De Gea goes there, Courtois won't. So then why go anywhere? But I don't know. I'm not his biggest fan, you know that. And I've never, ever said that he has a problem when it comes to shot stopping. He does some outstanding saves. And two of them, and I think one, at least one of those was world class. I still don't think he talks enough. And hopefully all these new things he's learning off this new goalkeeping coach involves him taking command. Because there was a couple of times at Liverpool where I was just saying, open your mouth and tell them where you want them to go. I've seen Gary Cahill go absolutely batshit at him before for not calling for a ball and for not communicating I think that's the weakness in his game Right, I've just got to like spot this, that was brilliant by the way Alex and I'm not ignoring what you said but I've just had a hilarious post from uh, Angela the lovely Angela who has uh, said that she it's 3.30am and she's jet lagged in Bali that's fantastic, (laughs) why didn't you ask me I'd have come along, anyway um, Jonathan, uh, Jonathan, I mean, I wouldn't have to do this then, would I? I could be out sunning myself in Bali and chatting, chatting with the lovely Angela. Who's, you know, I was saying earlier on, Tony, about uh, the, the bummer about having to get the train back, you know, because yeah, I started yes. to get 
quite I, I bumped onto uh, bumped into Angela on the train occasionally, which has usually brightened my uh, afternoon or evening up. So well done. Anyway, Jonathan, uh, I just want to have a quick word about Costa because I thought it was fascinating actually, and I think it picks up on something that we've talked about on the show a fair bit. You know, in comparing him to Drogba, but you know, clearly he wasn't at his best. But even not at his best, he still had two assists and put an absolute shift in. And I just think, you know, that is for me the mark of a great striker. Even if you can't get the ball on the back of the net, you're doing a you're doing a shift for the team and you're contributing. And it reminded me, Drogba used to do that. He used to have a few stinkers occasionally yeah. when he couldn't hit a cow's ass with a banjo, and yeah, yet he, he would did. still at least take a man or two out of the game. You know. So, Jonathan, uh, let's big it up for Mr. Costa. Yeah, I, 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 exactly. I mean, I echo exactly what you said. He, he, he was. Um, he has this strange thing occasionally that he looks a bit, a bit leaden. There are occasions when he can he gets the ball and he'll just beat two players and he gets it and, and races ahead with it. But he seemed to be incapable of turning left or right with it on Saturday. But his his uh, um, uh, his value, even when, as you say, he's not. Uh, performing at his best is, is quite phenomenal. And also, you have to remember, he hit the bar with the header, which was a great header at the very beginning of the game, which started it off. Because I thought, I didn't think of a man ahead of them for that first term, which caused them to get 50 minutes. And they, they fell apart much more, whether we were more confident, but they seemed to fall apart after that. But yeah, he, he's... Um, um, I mean, I like the fact that the team, he, he can perform slightly, be slightly off kilter, and yet the team can still perform fantastically. Um, but it's kind of like he's, I said. He's so, he's so powerful. He just, just distracts. But he's a, he just, just he, he's such a handful anyway. Even if he's not, uh, um, uh, even if he's not his best. And also, he's he's a completely reformed character, isn't he? So he's uh, no problem with him getting um, uh, lashing out at anybody or being uh, uh, or being booked. I just think that the fact that he's kept that aspect of his character under control is very, very commendable. I think he's done. Okay, Jonathan. Listen, Jonathan, I was going to say one other thing about Costa, actually, which is worth talking about. And I just wondered, you know, I, you know, because he, he, for me, there was a sense that he might have been trying too hard because, uh, uh, you know, obviously trying to atone for, possibly for his penalty miss the, the other penalty. day. Yeah. 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 But it was just yeah, one of those days. I think it was just one of those days, you know, everything he touched, you know, his touch didn't seem quite right, you know, and things weren't working for him. No uh, pun intended, Jonathan. There was that moment when he could have put could have put Pedro through, and he didn't. He just held on to it. Yeah, we should have, we would have scored then. And he, there was another moment when I think somebody else was going through, and he held it up again. But you know, well, uh, um, he still played an enormous role in the victory. You know, let's be he, honest. He, he did, and he, even even only playing fifty percent, he's great. Yeah, yeah. So, I was yeah. just going to jump in there, Chish, and say that he was actually he was trying to uh, because there was a point which you must have seen because it would have been right across your eye line uh, where he he actually did get away at the end of the game, and he could have picked any one of four Chelsea players for a tap in, but yeah. decided to try and blast it yeah. into the top of net. Yeah. And and mixed, which and that would I think at that point made it four 0 and that would have been you know dead buried and champagne corks popping a wrist. But I came out of that ground and I always do a series of you know CFC thoughts you know when I'm not driving obviously from the back of the car and one of them was I I thought Costa had a stinker. Okay, yeah. uh, and about eight o'clock that evening or seven o'clock that evening, when I was sitting there watching the game back as you did, yeah, um, on my lovely you know big four K TV, sitting there with a you know bag of um, uh, sweets or whatever, uh, my my missus said to me, she said, "What's that strange noise outside?" Um, and I said, "That's the noise the humble pie lorry makes when it pulls up outside <laughs> my house," because that's exactly what I was doing. And when you watched it back, 
he did an awful lot more. The one thing that was missing was his shooting boots and some of the decisions were a bit off, but the header for the, uh, the Alonso goal, he, he was the one who headed down into Hazard's path for the second goal. He made a lot of things happen. And, you know, I, I retracted, uh, I believe, I retracted, you know, the, I, I said to myself, the jury shall disregard those previous remarks. That's what I said. <laughs> Brilliant. Alex, what do you reckon? I mean, you know, we, we love Costa, so I don't know why we're even talking about it, but, you know, there we go. <laughs> um, just to say that probably give him seven out of ten just because he really couldn't have hit a farm door on sun- on Saturday. But he was not good, and we still won 3-0. And you no. don't win 3-0 against three Arsenal. I kid, you know what? In my head, I've, I'm so, I got so drunk afterwards in my head I've basically like written their goal out of my head it doesn't exist <laughs> but um to say that you you don't get that scoreline against Arsenal if you're pl- effectively playing with 10 men he did his bit he just but that's, wasn't that's, that's what I mean Alex you know hum- like doing one for the team basically exactly what I mean I mean you know even even if his touch isn't right and if, he, if he's got having one of those days where he can't get it in the back of the net his presence occupies at least two of their defenders and, and yeah. causes them problems. And as they, I said, the there, thing there was something about well. that. There was something about that that really reminded me of Drogba. That's what he used to yeah. do. And, and, and Andy only, said it here, bullying them, really. Yeah, the only thing that Arsenal did well was take care of Costa on Saturday. Yeah. And it didn't yeah. make the slightest bit of difference. Yeah. We spat that worked, didn't it? Else. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, listen, so, talking... Talking of Arsenal, I'm going to move it on because time is oppressing, and uh, I think we, we, for the sake of humanity, we really need to uh, have a have a bit of an exploration about Arsenal. I mean, these are my notes. These are my notes. So bear with me while I read them out, and then we will discuss. These, these are, you know, Tony. What, what did you call them, Tony? Your car notes or something? Oh yeah, my um, CFC thoughts. Yeah, that I jot yeah. down and tweet randomly when I'm on my way home, rather than well, talk is, to the people I go with. <laughs> this is what I wrote. This is what I wrote. This is a play, what Chidge wrote on the train on the way home. Anyway, so this is kind of all on the thing that they never let us down. So this is Arsenal. Arsenal, mentally weak, physically weak. Stop typing, Alex. Oh, that wasn't <laughs> in my notes. Uh, mentally weak, physically weak, no bollocks, narcissistic mercenaries, all haircuts and selfies. Uh, the fans are a product of the Premier League desecration of football. Uh, Arsenal fans are all prepubescent 13-year-olds. I uh, think Kevin, Kevin and Perry, but with less self-awareness. Um, so yeah, there we go. I mean, th- th- those you are missed my one thoughts. as well. What did I miss? You missed rugby fans. They're basically rugby fans yeah, in disguise. I think they're morally Toby's. superior to everybody else in football. Toby's, mate, aren't because, they? Yeah. yeah. So there Egg you go. Chasers. So Alex... As you have the chair, and it'll, it'll stop you typing. Yeah. What, what would you <laughs> have? I have I got that accurate or what? Yeah, absolutely. I honestly think they're like rugby fans. They think that they're morally superior. They're Southern Scousers because the Scousers do this. They think because they support that club that they're better than any other football fan mm. and that they've got more class than us. And I said in my blog, I said, so you say that we're classless. They love throwing that at us. Um, but yet you boo Fabregas whenever you see him. You didn't want him back, so he signed for us. That's as simple as it was. And he may have said one or two things in the process of signing for Chelsea along the lines of, I'm really happy to be back in London and blah, blah, blah. And you've let him have it ever since. Chet comes to Stanford Bridge and gets an outstanding reputation every time we see him. And yet we're the classless ones. It just, it blew, it blows my mind. I hate him. I think that whole thing, you know, the, the thing I mentioned about their fans. I mean, when you when you when you watch their, well, you don't watch them, but you read what a lot of their fans have to say on Twitter, 
and I, I, you know, I well know that a lot of them are, are probably my age, but they all do sound like these petulant, you know, Kevin and Perry, you know, petulant teenagers, prepubescent teenagers. It's 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 very redolent of that. It's all very projecty and full of envy and spite and tantrums, Jonathan, isn't it? Spoilt. Oh. Someone mentioned further back. Hey, thing. Wait, since okay. when have you been called well, Jonathan? <laughs> Those that she said they um, were. Um, oh, you've put me off now. Someone was commenting on the Arsenal fan cast and how they were calling it assault. I shall. I shall litigate for that. They, the <laughs> Arsenal <laughs> fan cast. Wash your mouth out. Absolute you sacrilege. Out. sacrilege. No, they were. She said that they were listening to the game on Arsenal feed because it's hilarious they have a, they have them. something called arsecast they don't have a fan cast <laughs> it is called arsecast i'm not lying i mean yeah, yeah, about lack of self-awareness <laughs> they should just call it arse gravy and be done with it <laughs> but anyway yeah they said that they were basically they spent half an hour whinging on about alonso's assault on bellerin yeah. it's not fair it's not fair <laughs> Bellerin's only small. <laughs> and Alonso is not exactly threatening, is he? Look at him. Yeah. He's a very Wonderful beautiful athlete, man, and I won't have a word said Wonderful against him. Athlete. Jonathan, um, what do you think why, about all this flannel? I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm slightly annoyed about all of this business. Is that why, if um, there are other teams who are as, as equally vile, supposedly, as Spurs, as in Arsenal and Liverpool, are there no, uh, uh, is there no presence in the stands about hating them? Can we not just do a We Hate Arsenal or um, uh, the old wank, wank, wank song I used to like? You know, that remember one you just shout at, you'd say, uh, um, it was to do with Alan Ball originally when he played for Arsenal. Do you remember which was Alan, Alan, yeah. Alan Ball, 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 wank, 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 Do you remember that one? So why can't we do that with one of the Arsenal players? And then we've got an Arsenal song. We don't have enough time, Jonathan. There's 11 of them. We're all hating Spurs too much. Oh, I agree with that. And I felt with the crowd, the crowd actually did a... Chelsea, and I thought, yes, that's what we want. We want more of those. We want more. I was at the, the Liverpool game. Uh, um, apart from their appalling, you ain't got stupid, appallingly stupid, you ain't got no history song. All they do is sing pro Liverpool songs, of which they've got thousands. We appear now to have everything. Is a, as I've said before, an anti-Spurs thing. If we're going to sing yeah. anti song uh, is I anti-Arsenal song? I have to agree because I don't know. Songs. You you, know, you must have heard the Gerard song. Uh, uh, have you ever no, seen Gerard win the league? There shouldn't really be any uh, any. We should be getting behind the team. They shouldn't really sing the Lampard song all the time, even though I know it's it's applicable because he just retired. But we should really. There are there are some players in the team who haven't even got songs yet. Come on, guys, let's get it together. What's going on? I'm going to move I, this just, on. I'm going to move this yeah. on because well, I'm, well, I'll I, keep the, you know I'll keep doing it because. I, I'm going to move this on because I'm bored of hearing about that. And Tim Rolls wrote, wrote a very pissy, actually hilariously pissy article about it not that long ago. But what I would like to move this on to, something even more hilarious, actually, in my book. But I, 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 I presume you've all seen the absolute debacle and embarrassment that is the Arsenal fan TV. I think the best thing about that for me was uh, a, a person who I know, but I will not reveal his name on air, nicked Ty's hat, which I thought was hilarious. But, I mean, you know, what, what is wrong with these people? I mean, in a, in a way, Jonathan, they're kind of very redolent of what I'm talking about. I kind of get the feeling with Arsenal fans, mate, that, that but the majority of them these days probably discovered football in 1996, you know. You know what I mean? Well, I think it's this thing of, of they really think they deserve 
success and it, it should come to them automatically. I think that's one of the major problems. And so that, as you say, they're like little kids because they just don't know how to deal with the fact that you've got to get, you know, uh, they've got to have a decent manager, which he's, he's now part yeah. of the sell by date. And they, they, and so therefore it just comes out in kind of, of appalling jealousy. And, uh, but it, yes, some of those, some of the, um, the, uh, the videos they put on our, uh, our, hideously embarrassing which i don't quite understand i mean i'm pleased that that kind of supporter has gravitated towards arsenal not us because well, I, I don't i don't see i don't see any embarrassing videos made by it's us it's almost like the ghost over. of christmas future isn't it if we're not careful well hey but i don't think it's going to be the case you know because we're going to we're not going to have a, a kind of um, slightly larger municipal looking ground we're going to have an yeah. absolutely envy of europe ground and we've got a manager who will be envy who is becoming envy of Europe, unlike the, uh, you know, the an old word called the valetudinarian that is Wenger. Wow. And it means somebody who's saying, about to say goodbye, because uh, he's on his way out. He's on know, borrowed time, isn't he, I think? Oh, you know. completely. Anyway, let's, I just want to pick up on something that you said, Jonathan, pass it on to Tony, actually. But um, it, it occurred to me, you know, you know, obviously we're taking the piss out of them quite rightly and deservedly so, but... Um, in a in a sense, there's absolutely no mystique or mystery as to why they hate us so much. Because you know, since Roman Abramovich bought us in 2004, um, we've completely and utterly supplanted them. You know, they they and Man United were dominant before 2004. I used to go to the bridge, or occasionally to Highbury every year, absolutely ballistic wanting to punch things because, you know, we'd get beaten by Arsenal yet again. You know, the frustration for years when that used to happen, apart from the odd highlight like the 5-0 at Highbury in the League Cup. But, I mean, since 2004, we've had them weighed and measured and no wonder they hate us so much because we have prevented them from being to the, at the party. Absolutely, 100%. Let me give you, you know, I've supported... Chelsea since 1970 I was you know nine years old and that's between you know um, Chelsea and Leeds and the football mad no club and throughout the whole 70s and you'll remember you may remember this JK might do um, they used to run adverts in Sunday papers where you know there was a guy on the sand you know uh, with you know with his girlfriend and then someone would come past and kick some sand at him and you know basically yeah. just bully him Charles and then Atlas. Charles Atlas it was the advert for the Charles Atlas stuff um, yeah. and, and and I I've been saying this since Roman Abramovich came he basically Roman Abramovich was our ball worker. We took that and we've puffed ourselves up. And now we're no longer the seven stone weaklings, which we, let's face it, we were. We, we've lived in Arsenal's shadow for as long as I could remember, okay? You know, we win the FA Cup uh, in 1970, and I think it was a year or two later, they go and win the frigging double, okay? Uh, and rammed it down our throats. I, I hated my Arsenal friends. You know, I, they almost became non friends because of it. Uh, and we're there now. We're the ones that are with the pecs and the and, and the and the biceps and the triceps and whatever. Um, but you know we're a little bit ugly, yeah. We're, we're a little bit Charles Bronson. We're not, you know, we're not narcissistic. We're not casting that look in the mirror or whatever as we walk past and flicking our blonde hair or whatever, yeah. We're a bit street for want of a better phrase. And um, and when we want to scrap, we can scrap. I thought we played fantastic football, but also. What we had was everything you said earlier on, Chidge. We had strength, power, muscle, yeah. and bloody determination as well. You know, I mean, someone brilliant. I think he's. I think he's. I think he tweets as um, David Burns or whatever. 
who said that when Hazard went past um, Cochrane, Cochrane was it? Was it? It looked like he electrocuted him. Yeah. <laughs> like, 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 like one of them bloody um, electric eels or whatever. <laughs> he just sort of flew off of him and landed on his ass. And I just, mm. I love that about us. But that's, it's exactly that. We have turned from the yeah. seven stone weaklings and we are not going back. All right, listen, we've got we to wrap this part up. Hang on, Jonathan, we've got to wrap this part up. And I just want to like, just go into what might happen next. Because, I mean, there was obviously quite rightly too, you know, an awful lot of euphoria after the game. I mean, it was a really, really big week last week. And... Disappointing though it was to, to to draw against Liverpool, the others all did us a favour by by screwing it up, and I think this was really seen as another marker, revenge for what happened in September, but also, you know, it, it clear blue water between us and everybody else. Twelve points ahead of Arsenal, nine ahead of City and Spurs, but the reality is, um, you know, I, I can't sit here and say it's all over by the shouting because you know no. I've been around far too long. And I mean, yes. you know, we, I, I think we've got a few tricky fixtures left, Alex. We've got West Ham away, which I think will be tricky on the 13th of March. Mm. City at home on the 5th of April and United away on the 15th of April. And the questions I'm going to ask to you, Alex, is who do you think we really need to worry about now? Oh, I was just going to say that actually I think more than West Ham away, Burnley away. They're not getting beat at home. They've turned plenty of really good sides over and actually think this weekend's going to be quite tough. They've got a game plan at home, and it works. So they're, they're was, tough. Yeah, but I was, yeah. City at home, I don't know, which depends which City turns up. Well, yeah. Because, I mean, even that, so twice in a row, they did it against Borough, and they did it against whoever they played yesterday as well. They, um, they go 1-0 up, and they look world-class. They look amazing. They spank them. They only get one goal, and then somehow they get pegged back, and they were lucky yesterday that that new bloke put in a winner. But... um. They're beatable. Um, United away, I don't know. I'd be satisfied with a point from that one, to be honest, because I just think mm. he'll do what he always does and just I think, park his I bus. Think the, I think the reality is is that, you know, I've picked the obvious ones, but the reality is is that, as, as was proved last week, there are no easy games in the Premier League. And, you know, we, we've, got, we've got probably the easiest run in on paper because we, we, we've played most of the big sides. Arsenal have still got a lot of big, tough games going, as, as a few of the others have. They all have to play each other, and we've only got a couple of them. A lot of our sides uh, that we've got to play are, you know, probably going to be fighting for relegation. So on paper, it looks easy, but actually, they'll be scrapping for their lives, won't they, Tony? Yeah. So therefore, yeah. I've, modified, I've modified when we're going to win the league. I've decided <laughs> it's going to be at home to Borough on the 6th of May. Because that's actually the, 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 the you know, the third uh, last game of the season, if you see what I mean. And I reckon that, you know, we've kept this gap of nine points roughly going for a long time. So basically, if we do that, we'll win it uh, Borough at home, Tony. Yeah, which would be, which which would fit the narrative because I'll be on holiday in bloody France, of course. So oh, um, no. that'll be... Yeah, but you know the one I'm saving it up for, of course, is 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 the last game of the season when I shall be on the piss both before and after, and doing what I usually do, staggering down to Imperial Wolf if someone will show me the way again uh, uh, to catch the last train home. But um, I, I'd like to think it'll be over. I'd like to think by the time we play City on the fifth of April and United um, that, and and I'm going to give you. I'm sorry, Alex, but it's a dose of pessimism. Again. I th- I would like to think their games we could afford to lose. That we could just say, well, it doesn't matter now. We're Tony, <laughs> stop yes, being a dick. dick. Yes, I knew you were going to go. But I I I I'm like you, Chish. I mean, and 
we, we used to talk about it on the pod and shed a bit. You know, there's a very famous uh, Grand National with Devon Locke. Um, you know, it was winning by a country mile and uh, I think he fell over and broke his neck, didn't it? Just before the line. Mm. Um, and we know football's like that. Now, you look at what we've done. We haven't fluked this. In fact, we haven't really fluked any games that we've won. We've we've done it by hard work, good organisation. It's hard to see where that could go so horrendously wrong when you bear in mind that everybody else has got to play everybody else. I'm probably more worried about um, the smaller teams, the so-called smaller teams, because as you say, they, they've got a puncher's chance. That's that will always be the way with football, you know. And, and um, you know, who who will forget getting mugged off by QPR under Benitez? Um, and, and who will forget battering West Ham in the same season, battering them? We could have played for another hour and we wouldn't have scored. Yeah, um, that's a good point. You know, teams can do that. So City, I'm with Alex on that one. Depends who turns up. I would love to turn them over because I remember standing with you. It was probably the first time we'd had a proper booze up together in the Tommy Tucker after that game, having been roasted 3-0 yes. uh, and and not giving a shit. And also because of the fact that we were at the stage where we just knew we were having a bad season. So we just had to down our sorrows, drown our sorrows in alcohol. Um, and I'd like to get one back on them for that. I'd like them to come and I'd like them to be taking a long trip back up to, you know, Manchester, feeling like shit and thinking perhaps Pep Guardiola is not everything that everybody thinks he is. Mm, quite right. Jonathan, we've got to wrap this up, so I'm going to, lo- I'm going to allow you to sum it up. Um, you know, is it all over by the shouting or uh, you, like me, you've watched Chelsea for far too long to take anything for granted, I would imagine? I'm sort of ambivalent, really. Um, I think that, um, uh, you know, the, the positive side says to me, uh, well, they're playing so wonderfully and he's got such a good plan that uh, um, and, he, and he's so good tactically that even if we were one down, he then changes it or tweaks it a bit that we should actually just keep on performing at an unbelievably high standard because the team is purring. The team is great. Um, but then, of course, there's the... Uh, um, the uh, the fifty percent pessimist who you know, once again has seen seen our team fall apart um, at this stage of the season, having performed so well. Um, well, actually, just just fall apart generally. Um, who says, well, you never know; somebody might get sent off. There might be several injuries, uh, and we might just lose it. But I, I don't think that's going to happen because I think he's got them all be- all performing so well that any any substitutes who come in will will just slot in, as we've seen in the FA Cup. I think they're all up to it. They all know the pattern of play. And uh, I think we're going to cruise to winning it, actually. I think we might even win it earlier, earlier than, uh, than that. I think we might find that they all, everybody else, we have this terrible presumption that everybody following us is going to win everything. Or there will be, you know, each week it's, oh, Spurs are coming up. Uh, oh, no, no, Spurs drew against London. Oh, no, no, it'll be City now. City will be coming up. And it, it, it's, it's also pushed by the press, isn't it? It's, uh, it's they have got to make it sound interesting all the way of in, course, doesn't it? Yeah, so of course, of course I don't think even they believe that we're going to capitulate from here. But I'm just going to say I plead the fifth and I refuse to predict what day will win it because it's bad juju. All right. I'm yeah, going to leave yeah, it. I still, I'm think, gonna... <laughs> I still think we're going to win it earlier. I think we're going to okay. win it earlier. Well, I have to say, and I'm gonna, we'll, we need to leave it there. But uh, you know, I, I'm delighted to say it's the most positive I think I've ever heard, Jonathan. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna cling on to that and stop being such a negative Nelly or whatever. Um, but anyway, no doubt it will unfold for the rest of the season. Now, after the break, uh, we're going to look back at the draw, 
against Liverpool last Tuesday. And we're going to applaud Louise's free kick and ask, was it two points dropped or one point gained? And of course, with the news that uh, Frank Lampard, or Sir Frank of Lampard, as I like to call him, uh, announced his retirement last week, we will give you our, uh, our own view and our own tribute to him. We'll see you in a sec. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Chidge. JK. In all the years you've been following Chelsea, you hardly ever miss a match, home or away. But how would you feel if you couldn't be there and it's not on TV? Oh, Chidge, I'd be bereft. Inconsolable. The thought of missing my beloved Blue Boys live. <laughs> it's all too much. <laughs> I know, JK, I know. It's all a bit too much, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> well, panic not. NordVPN have come to the rescue. They have? Yep. NordVPN allows us to watch any match, even if it's not on live TV here. They do? Yeah, they do. With just one click, they switch your virtual location to a country which is showing the match, and they act as your cyber bodyguard whilst online, protecting your personal data and sensitive info like card details and passwords. Oh, wow. Great. Ah, but yeah, I bet that'll cost me a fortune. Actually, JK, it's only the price of a cup of coffee per month, and you can use your account across six devices. It's a bargain, JK, and best of all, no more tears for you. Oh, thank you, thank you, NordVPN. I'm so happy, I could cry. (laughs) Where do I sign up, Jidge? Well, to get the best discount off your NordVPN plan, go to nordvpn.com forward slash Chelsea Fancast. There's no risk with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee, and you'll help support the Chelsea Fancast. The link is in the podcast episode description box. Real fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Proper Chelsea. Football Fancast. Right, welcome back to the Chelsea Fancast. I am Stamford Chidge, and uh, I'm delighted to have with me, of course, the lovely Alex Churchill. The uh, equally lovely Tony Glover. Bonsoir, bonsoir, bonsoir. And the no no lesser lovely person than Jonathan Kidd. Oh, how lovely. Thank you, Chidge. You're all equally lovely tonight. Now, before we get on with the proceedings and we talk about the Liverpool game, um, I should just uh, give a, as my usual plug for the Kerry Dixon show, which, of course, I record every week. week, week each, each week, in fact. I record, I'll try that again. I record each week <laughs> with the legend that is Kerry Dixon. And I haven't been drinking, so there's no excuse there. Um, it's always well, nearly always on a Thursday. So, uh, you know, make sure you download it. It goes down the same pipe, as it were, as the uh, Chelsea fan cast. So you can get it on Acast, iTunes, SoundCloud, or SoundCloud, as I like to call it, um, you know, and all the other podcast stuff. Uh, obviously, this uh, coming Thursday, we'll probably have a look back at the Arsenal game, where I shall uh, tell Kerry that I got the prediction right and he got it wrong. And we'll also be looking forward to the Burnley game on Sunday. All right, now, um, on with the proceedings. Uh, 
Blimey, 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 blimey. I, I'm really crap at watching uh, Chelsea. Are you typing again, Alex? I am. Stop it. I can hear it. <laughs> and if I can hear it, that means the listener can hear it. So well, stop listen- it. Shh. Stop it. Um, anyway, yeah, I hate, I hate, hate, hate watching Chelsea on TV. I don't know why it is. I just find it so hard. I much prefer being Yes, it's I'm like, with you it, there. Yeah. Is it, is it because, mate, 100%. Yeah. Is it, is it because I feel I can influence proceedings? Who knows? But I'll tell you what I think about the match. Number one, um, I actually quite enjoyed the first 10, 20 minutes. I mean, a lot of people were going absolutely potty because they, they were all over us like the cheap suits that they wear. Um, but I thought it was quite clever. I thought it was a little bit of a rope-a-dope strategy that they were employing, uh, Tony. What do you think? I think so as well. We've never been massively fast starters, have we? I, I think there's, there's that. Um, and it, it's kind of Italian, isn't it, to sort of sit back and have a look and take it all in and, you know, basically, you know, go with the flow or whatever and see, see how the game goes. I think there's a, a lot of that. We're going back to time, um, which I, I, I don't recall it being quite as prevalent during Mourinho's last stint, but his first stint, where um, you never panicked. There was there was never any panic. You can see the goal, don't panic. Um, and we've kind of lost that um, in the last few years, where you at the team would get a goal and you'd be thinking, oh shit, now we've got to, now we're up against it. I mean, on the other hand, we got a pretty early goal against Arsenal, um, and, and and you know the one against Liverpool. And I kept thinking, typical, straight out of the fever pitch, film, I was going, oh we scored too early to come back and win 2-1 now you know uh, so you can't really win with me but yeah I thought it was it was a good performance at, at Liverpool and I think people you know the chances of us beating them and them losing four for the first time in 86 years or whatever um, you know I, I, I'm a man of logic and science and I know that each game should be treated individually but you know I, could, I couldn't see them losing four on the bounce I would have took a point before that game Mm. Jonathan, I, I, that was you know really I was like like Tony I was quite happy with a draw, particularly as Arsenal lost and United drew and Spurs drew. But the one thing that I was really sad about, as, as Tony's alluded to there, was that I, you know I felt that we sadly missed the opportunity to make some more history for Liverpool uh, because, as Tony was saying, the last time that they lost four on the bounce at home was 1929. Yes, that would have been so fantastic, wouldn't it? If we'd, uh, were you were you watching that match in 1929? Um, uh, just a little bit before I was born, but not. Well, he's listening to it on your crystal set, Jonathan. Yeah, I would have to have been doing it like on the wireless or an enormous an enormous ear trumpet, just aimed, <laughs> aimed towards Anfield. Of a cart and horse and cart, or a handsome cab. Yeah. While you sat around waiting for talkies to be invented. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All the black and white stuff they have, there's always <laughs> one cameraman cranking it, and he was always having a cup of tea. So he'd always. And there was you going, no one can hear my voice. No, but no, I can't do anything because. Yeah, Just think, Jonathan, actually, that's a, that's a fascinating point. What, you, what, what, would you have done, what would you have done for a living in those days with no sound? The voice, the voice. Smutty postcards. A music hall entertainer of some kind. Yes. Chidge, Chidge, I, Chidge, I've got to say it. No one would have ever heard him utter those immortal, this isn't working for me, Chidge. No. No, no one would have heard that. No, they wouldn't. They wouldn't. Uh, that will well, go they wouldn't down. Have in the... heard me go, wouldn't have ever heard me go Thursdays, five o'clock, film four. 
the hurt. They'd never. Do you know what, Jonathan? Them. I'll share this with you. I'll share this with you. I was I was watching the TV with the missus. Well, actually, she was watching some shit program, and I was fanning around on Twitter, as is quite often happens these days. And your beautiful dulcet tones came booming out of the TV, and I stood up. I said. Sarah, 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 that's Jonathan Kidd. That's Jonathan Kidd. And she remembered you fondly. She said, it is, isn't it? I said, there oh, we go. Sweet. Was it, um, um, any, who do you think you on. are, or Panorama, who do you think you are on BBC? BBC I, One, I can't remember, it? mate. I, for the love Panorama. of God, I can't remember. But uh, it was yeah. definitely you, um, and we were, we were both, both very happy to hear your dulcet tones. Oh, um, listen, mate, well, let, let's talk about the Louise free kick, because it was a moment of high comedy as far as I was concerned. I mean, number one, Mignolet showing what an absolute numpty he is yet again. Um, arguments, that it, arguments, arguments that it wasn't even a foul on Hazard, although I'm not buying that. But I mean, the sheer audacity and the technical ability of Louise and, and, the, and the awareness to do that, I just thought were absolutely brilliant. I, I mean, having said I don't like watching games on the telly sitting in my own in, in, in the living room, at that moment, I actually jumped up and down and ran around like I would have done if I was at Stamford Bridge or Anfield. So, you know, but it was a great moment, I thought. I gave a whole series of, of rather high shrieks, which rather scared my eight-year-old daughter, who came in. <laughs> I may have thrown quite a lot of abuse at Mignolet, who wasn't that far away from us after it went in. Because as soon as uh, you saw where he was standing, you knew it was going to be... You, you knew that you could score. Cause like, he's got to move over. He's got to... No, OK, he's not going to move over because he's a bellin, and we've scored. They tried to make out that he hadn't... Uh, the referee hadn't blown the whistle, didn't they? That was what they... Well, Henderson tried to do and had a big chat with the referee. And, of course, the referee had blown the whistle about four seconds beforehand. Yeah. I mean, you're completely prepared. I could just say as well that when they're moaning that it wasn't a foul on Hazard, yes, Hazard turned slightly into him, but if you're thick enough to bring him down on the edge of the box like that, then that's on you. Too right, too right. Um, you know, uh, Tony, what did you think of Louise's uh, uh, wonderful free kick? <laughs> oh, excuse me. Um, do you know what I thought? I thought it you're, just you're, absolute... you were eating, weren't you? You were eating. I was. I was. <laughs> you, you, you sly outside, honestly. I, yes, oh, I, was. I, I know. I know. Even if I can't see you, and you know what I'm going to do, I'm going to. I'm going to Alan Brazil you every time. <laughs> is, it, is it a chocolate bar? Is it... No, it's a Scotch egg because I'm supposed oh. to be keeping away from chocolate and sweet things. Okay. So you're so you're um, eating a, a Scotch egg with all that fat in there. Brilliant. Yeah, it's Great. just um, like I'm, I'm, a chocolate bar, but yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm very pro fat. It's low carb. Um, I'm gonna go back to the uh, going back to this. Um, I was I was a Louise flag bearer when he left. Didn't want him to go. He was one of the reasons I buy a season ticket, whether he had a fault in him or not. He was an entertainer. Um, I now have a slight man crushing him because I can't watch him without thinking of flash dance. Thank you, oh, Alex. Sorry. <laughs> um, and, and and I would I would pay to see him in a leotard being sprayed with water. I think. Um, Can we move swiftly on, please. <laughs> yes, but um, it, it kind of summed up what I think about the guy, which is he, he has been he's been kept on a really good leash. Conti's really turned him. I think um, there was something in the papers or something in the papers or, or the press over the weekend about Conti putting his arm around in him in. Mourinho style and saying I can turn you into the best centre half in in Europe, you know that kind of thing. Get you back in the national team, uh, or you know get you first choice national. Um, that free kick, that technique was Ronaldo like. It was fantastic. I don't care what Mignolet was doing. They could have had three Mignolets. They could have had Mignolet, Czech, and whoever else. Larice in there. I think that goal would have gone in. It was a fantastic strike. It was a great opportunity, and I'm anti. 
quick free kicks. I'm hideously anti-short corners. Okay. I would ban them from the game because you get a free cross and you piss about in the corner with it. Um, and end up passing it back to the halfway line. But that free kick was bloody fantastic. And it was the comic element was, of course, that Mignolet was directing traffic or whatever he thought he was frigging doing. He wasn't um, even looking at the ball, was he? <laughs> which is a fundamental qualification for being a goalkeeper, I believe, you know. Unbelievable. For me, it was it was a moment where I could sit there and go, I told you, Louise, I, I am I am on the Louise haters all the time. I want them to come back at me and they have run the white flag up the pole keeping away from me because they know so I they was right. Should. So they should. I mean I, I thought he was absolutely colossal on uh, on on Tuesday night and I like you, Tony, I've I've always loved that guy. I think he's I mean I, I was the I was that person. I the first person to coin the phrase uh, Captain Geezer legend, which I said to him at Cobham, actually. We did a, like a yep. mock press conference there when all the supporters the trust, or not the trust people, the, whatever, the forum, I don't know. Anyway, so I've, I've always loved him, and I think he's got great leadership qualities. always have thought that. And he, he always turns up in the big games, doesn't he, Alex? I mean, that's the thing. That's the, that, Munich. for me, is the mark of a great player. Munich. Him and Kael had one yep. good leg between them. Yep. He's been playing with that strapping on his knee for weeks and you wouldn't even know it unless you were looking for it because he's been immense. He had one game where he wasn't... He's, he was a bit more low-key and the other, Dave bailed him out a few times, but not once has he let us down since he came back. Do you, do you know what, Alex? That's that's a really good point, actually, because you know he, he has been... I mean, actually, he has been carrying that knock since... Uh, you know, Aguero um, tried, to, was, tried to... Yeah. Hang on, I'm finished. When, when Aguero tried to, to break his leg... And of course, mm. Hazard's been uh, carrying a knock, and and I have to be honest, you know, we're talking two of the most crucial players that we have. I mean, Costa and Kante, arguably the other two. Um, you know, a how long do you think they can play? And 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 you know, if they have to sit a few games out, would you be worried? No. Look at Brentford, no? where he completely changed nine people over in Brentford, and we still played the same way. They still went forward with the same tenacity. Everybody still knew what their job was and where to go, and that was with nine changes. We're not going to have to make nine changes. We're not going to get that many injuries in one hit before the end of the season, unless yeah. a bolt of lightning hits Cobham. So if we lose Kante, we can bring Fabregas in. It won't play exactly the same kind of way, but um, even I thought when we used... Uh, Aki in Alonso's position and he did really well against Brentford I just feel like it's not there are some really good individuals but it's what's working so well is the sum total of everybody together and we changed almost every single one of them for Brentford and it was the same ethos and the same I know it was a championship opposition but the same domination of the opposition and it, there was no nothing different in the style from what we were doing here here Jonathan, I mean, you know, you talking, of, talking of Louise, I mean, would, would we miss him? And yeah. I, I, I'm going to extend it a little bit further, actually, because there's a bit of chatter on Mixler, which is, is making noises in that respect. Would, would, you have, would you have Louise as captain when uh, JT finally leaves? Um, well, that's presuming that, um, that Cahill isn't going to be captain. Well, I think that's a very good point. Gonna, he's not going to rock the boat, is he? Because he likes Cahill, you can tell. And I think Cahill's... Um, uh, his his performances have improved as well because earlier on we were we were debating whether he would keep Cahill and Alonso uh, in the um, in the first flush of this of the success of the season. But I'm I'm now convinced that he'll keep them all because I think they've performed phenomenally. I just wonder whether, in actual fact, one of the ways of keeping uh, um, David Luiz 
um, a very controlled player is he has to be injured because he gave his best performance in the Champions yeah. League final, didn't he? So you wonder whether whether it stops him from running up the pitch. I, mean, I don't think <laughs> it does, but uh, it's just interesting that he manages to play so well when he's carrying an injury. But I think mm, he's been a... absolutely brilliant. He was brilliant against uh, Liverpool. Absolutely superb that night. Not also, only his free kick, just, just his performance. Well, it was superb, header mm. after header. And I also think that... that um, I think he adapted his tactics accordingly, Conte, because what Liverpool were very good at, and they did it in the game at the bridge, which is they run around like absolute idiots. for the Yeah, let them do it. They can't do that for 90 minutes, can they? they? So he was almost saying, all right, play with them, and then they'll get knackered. And they, and it happened that way, and they were they were fought, they they came back at us in the second half, and the uh, we were um, we were fortunate unfortunate to uh, to uh, give the goal away because it, it went off from um, it went off Moses, but uh, I think he played he planned it absolutely perfectly, and uh, unfortunately you know the it was supposed to end with a um, a good attack and a, and a goal, and the penalty was it. And we just, just fluffed our lines at the yeah. end there. It was a real I shame. mean, look, Jonathan, but at the I end of the day, was, though... I thought it was a lovely performance. And it's their best yeah. performance. Yeah. They're very good at, at coming up. They're very good at... You know, I know they're... they're, they're my other complaint was what, that terrible moment when um, uh, when Conte... In fact, um, Mark Harrington's mentioned this on Twitter. The terrible moment when uh, um, uh, Klopp went into the fourth official's face and said, no one can beat us, or something like oh, that, as yeah. Frank supposed to have said. And nothing happened to him. I know. I mean, what, Disgraceful. what on earth is that all about? Is that, is that Are they favouring him? And poor old Mourinho. You know, I feel sorry for him. He just seems to do, do practically nothing. I and mean, then he's, 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 he's banished to the stand. You can, you can understand why Mourinho has a kind of a permanent face. Woe well, is me, sucked, yeah. Sucked an orange. Sorry, sorry, sucked a lemon. Sucking an orange is quite nice. Sucking a, sucking a lemon. Um, you just think, well, you're... You, you know, you are being, you are put upon. Your reputation does go before you. Whereas Klopp's reputation as being a nice chap clearly, you know, helps him. But I have to say, I think Klopp is disintegrating. I think he's revealing he is actually mad. I think that's coming across <laughs> more, more and more. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, no, I, I thought it was a, it was a shame because it was all set up for the, the planning of it for for three points. But one, given that everybody fell apart, and we have to remember, as I said earlier. We seem to be convinced that somehow, um, if we lose a game, everybody else around us will just keep on winning, and they won't. You know, I love yes, they've done that. nothing to prove that, have they? No. Well, I love, I love the fact that that Spurs. It was all yeah, we've won six in a row. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna beat your your thirteen. Yeah, no problem. Oops, we've drawn Sunderland. Sunderland. Yeah. Sunderland. For God's sake, you just go. Yeah. yeah, you're not good enough. They're not as good as us. None of them. Well, there we go. And I'm very happy to hear that. But uh, somebody who. Uh, we really ought to, t- to talk about, um, you know, it's quite interesting, actually. I thought the reaction to uh, Sir Frank of Lampard's uh, retirement was uh, was superb, actually, across the board. All the managers coming out with stuff, even Barcelona uh, mm. coming out with some lovely praise was yeah. lovely, I thought. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, the question I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask this of Alex first, and then you can all chip in, uh, you know, uh, along the way. But... Uh, I'll I'll stick my colours to the mast, actually, Alex, and, I, and it's odd, actually, because I, I was probably the one person who writes. Well, I don't write as much as I ought to now, obviously, but out of the people who are known to write, I was the one person who did not do a a validatory uh, blog this week. But I've already done two uh, that were both published in CFC UK, and they were published years ago, and they both were basically making the argument that he, first of all, will be our greatest player and is our greatest player. Uh, I would now say he was our greatest player, uh, and I can't. I, I really don't think anybody will come close. I think he's that good, Alex. Is he for you? 
it's between him and JT, I think. But, well, that's um, a good shout. That's a good yeah. shout, actually. Do you know what, as well? If you're a girl of my age where you don't really remember Chelsea before those two played for them, um, well, definitely not Terry, it's very that you always fancied one more than the other. <laughs> I have to admit that I've always fancied Terry more than Stereotype, stereotype. I know. I am a massive stereotype, but you always fancied one slightly more than the other, and I'm afraid I was always a JD girl, but no, he's epic, Frank Lampard, and I did, do you know what, a part of me is a little bit sorry that he had to pull that Man City shirt on for a few weeks and that, because I just think it slightly, it, mean, it meant that he didn't get the goodbye that he deserved, because he went off up there, and then he went off to New York, and I honestly think we need to now do something like a testimonial or something to appreciate what Frank Lampard has meant to us with him on the pitch at Chelsea, um, because he never got it. Do you know what but I would I, love, actually, on that point? I would, love, I would love for the opening of uh, the new stadium to have the, the team, obviously we'd, we'll have to like boot one or two out so we can accommodate JT and Branner, but have the, the Champions League winning team play the current team. That would be the perfect opening match for the new stadium in my book. Absolutely, yeah. With Boswinger playing, yes. Sorry, Jonathan. Bersuinga. Sorry, Jonathan. Come on. With Boswinger playing, yes. Yes, and, definitely. And his eyebrow. And Morales playing as well. But yes. how much do you think Maluda's going to want to charge for that? He'll probably yeah, want Maluda, like another yeah. contract and <laughs> £30 million Tony, pounds Tony. to turn up. Tony, would you would you call in? I mean, I think your, your blog on, on him this week went down really, really well and was beautifully written. And pretty much nailed it. Um, you know, would 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 he be your greatest ever player? I think so. Now I've always been a Zola man previous, previously because of the the sheer magic that Zola bought. But when we look at contribution to to actual winning things, you know, when you look at that list, is it thirteen major trophies? Go on Wikipedia and have a look at the the actual individual honours that he's got, and it goes off the page. Yeah. Um, you, you don't get the kind of tributes he got um last week from Barcelona from Bayern from 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 people you wouldn't even think of it you know Carragher with his somewhat tongue-in-cheek you know now I can say how much I respect him now he's retired um and we know there was sort of no love lost between them on the pitch um you know for me when I wrote that that blog I mean I, I got quite teary-eyed because I was actually playing back a YouTube video first of all of his top 40 goals and I found one with all 211 of them um, and, and he's it's phenomenal, and it we we won't see that again. That, that record will never be broken, never be yeah. broken. I, I don't care what happens in football; that record will never be broken. And what summed it up for me, Chish, both as a, a player, but as a man, uh, and we, I've seen some snipey bloody comments in, in on the Guardian uh, article about, oh, yeah, but he wasn't like that, was he, when he was slagging off, you know, the Americans after 9-11 and sex tapes and cry, you know. He was a 21-year-old bloke at the time or whatever, pissed up in an airport like a lot of footballers would be. Nowadays, they're out spit-roasting and domestic abuse or whatever. Um, and what he did was silly. He apologised for it. Um, it was done in unwittingly as well, I think. But we'll look at his look at his actual statement. He mentions West Ham. He thanks West Ham. He thanks Manchester City. Okay. He thanks New York. And then he saves the very best and the biggest till last, where he talks about where his heart really is with Chelsea, with us, the fans. And I meant what I said because he truly was. Um, even though Mourinho said he was, Frank Lampard is one of us. He's absolutely one of us. And he should never be forgotten. And these pain in the ass people, um, 
and I hear a few of them in the club room, whatever. He's ruined his legacy because he went to City. No, he didn't. He didn't ruin anything. We owe him. He owes us nothing. Okay, we owe him everything. Absolutely everything. Yeah. That man now is the top of my list of Chelsea players I've ever seen. And when you think of where he came from, you know, Big Fat Frank and all this sort of stuff. Mm. I think I called it Big Fat Frank or something like that. That yeah. chubby-faced little bloke that sat there. Um, and, and Harry Redknapp saying, to, and you can still get it on YouTube, Harry Redknapp saying to that gobby yeah. fan, this boy's going to go to the top. He's, he's a, and he is. We talked about it every week, about when we use the word legend. Frank Lampard, legend. Too right. Right. Well done, Tony. I, I almost feel like breaking into a round of applause for that. Uh, Jonathan, um, uh, greatest yes. ever player for you. I mean, you've seen more of them than us. I mean, the other thing I would ask you as well is that... Well, no, no, go, go, you, answer my question, then I'm going to ask you another one. Well, I think in, in short snatches, I always said Hullet was my best player, but he didn't play for us for very long, whereas Frank, of course, played, had, you know, was, was utterly committed for, uh, for, for nearly all of his career to us. So um, uh, it must be Frank for me mm. now. Um, just looking back, but in terms of of skill and ability, uh, Hullet was just utterly unbelievable. But he was playing in a different standard at a, at a different time with a with a bunch of uh, of no hopers most of the time, other than Johnny Spencer, who was fantastic, but had a tendency to run in the wrong direction whenever uh, <laughs> Hullet was about to pass. But uh, and was also very small. Not that you know, not that should be a problem. But um, uh, no, they you know they, it, that was in an era, of course, when we were in the European. Cup winners uh, uh, with the, uh, the following season when Johnny Spencer was playing when he scored the he scored the best one of the best Chelsea goals I've ever seen which was the the goal against um, Austria Vienna when he got the goal uh, from the corner and ran the whole length of the field and scored it was uh, it was remarkable um, but I, I digress um, yeah yeah comp- uh, one you just have to look at you, the, the compilations of Frank's goals to see that he he, he was. Not only was he a fantastic midfielder, it was just a brilliant. Um, his, his shots were absolutely superb. Brilliant, a brilliant striker of the ball, and uh, um, I, I wonder whether we'll ever see anything like it again. The, his ability to get the ball into top, top right hand and left corner was just, you know, from the edge of the area, it was almost like Bobby Charlton in his pomp, because that's what Bobby Charlton did all the time. You know, he'd shoot from the end of the area, and the ball would just he'd score nearly. It scored so often, you could rely on it, and. Uh, you know, we haven't quite. It'd be nice if Hazard could put that into his armory of being able to shoot a bit better, um, and even Matic as well, because they can't. They're not shoot. They're not. They're not as good as good strikers of the ball as Frank was. Well, not only was he a, a great uh, um, goal scorer, he was. He, he fulfilled all the other requirements of a midfielder. You know, tenacious in the tackle, got back there, speedy, quick. I mean, you know, he he, he ticked all the boxes. Uh, he was brilliant, absolutely brilliant player for Chelsea. And as you mm. say, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not annoyed by him going to City. I, you know, no. I was annoyed that he, he he scored that goal against us. You thought that was typical. Of course he would. But um, but he he you know he's he's end of his career. His career's ru- running down. They offered him terms. He goes there still in the Premier League. Chelsea weren't going to play him, and then he goes off to uh, uh, America. Absolutely fair enough. You know, Jonathan. Yeah. yeah, nice nice words, Jonathan. Beautifully uh, summed up, I think. Would, would, would you... I mean, here's an interesting question. Would, would you have a statue of him now? No, I was thinking about that. No, I'd wait a bit. I do... Uh, I think statues need to come a little later when you appreciate... Um, but not when they're dead? No, preferably... Oh, that was my point, Chish. Not when he's... 
yeah, I don't want to wait until he's popped yeah, his box because I won't see what it. Is he, what is he? Thirty-eight, thirty-eight now. I'd you know give him yeah. Yeah, ten years time. Well, it's up to you know the it's up. It's a question of how many bloody statues you have around the place. You have Aussie. It all becomes a little bit of a mausoleum if you suddenly have nothing but well, statues the of inter- dead the, people. Yeah, I mean the interesting thing about that, of course, is that I mean what I would do is I would I would, I mean see I'm torn. You know, I, I, for me in my head, you know. Yes, Lamps is the greatest Chelsea player of all time, unquestionably. Look at his contribution. Look at what he won. Uh, look at the number of goals he scored, which, as I agree with you all, I don't think it'll ever be broken because I don't think we'll ever have players that will stay this long at the club again. Um, but that said, for me, he, you know, Lampard is synonymous with that whole team, which includes Czech, includes John Terry. It's the spine, you know, Czech, Terry, Lampard, Drogba. And I and I wonder if rather than having just one to Frank or maybe another one for JT, you get all four of them as a statue. But what, apart from that, if I was going to have a statue, if it was just Frank, I would wait until we built the new stadium and I would have it at the new stadium. Uh, yes. Because there's no point putting one up there now. Because like Aussie, and this is an interesting question, like Aussie, what's going to happen to Aussie's statue when they build the new ground? Because you know, they're going to have to move it. I've got a place in my back garden. <laughs> I can't, I can't promise again. I would say, I would like to say this just, just to, just to be slightly contrarian uh, on JK's point. I would put those statues. I like your idea there, Chidge. If you look at our new ground, okay, you're building a temple, not that this different to the, the Parthenon, yeah, or, or, or one of the great Roman uh, forums or whatever, yeah. Um, and I see no problem with lining that with Chelsea greats. As as a as a measure over time of what we've done, what we've achieved, football is a religion for a lot of people. Oh, it's, it's you know, if you define a religion as the worship uh, of something or someone that you go to every week, yeah, okay, it's hard to define the difference between the two. And I would, I think that new stadium would look great with some statues like Aussie, like Frank, like some of them in some of them arches. I think it would look fantastic. Well, there you, you know, go. Do you know what architect tone? Tony, no, that's, reminded me of some, that, that's reminded me of something, and I wonder if Jonathan may may know this, but uh, if you ever go to the uh, the Melbourne Cricket Ground uh, in Australia, if you walk all the way around, around that, one, and it is a wonderful uh, cathedral to cricket. I mean, it's obviously not a patch on Lords because, you know, they are Australian, let's face it, but <laughs> it's not bad. Uh, but one thing that I was really impressed about when I went there was that all the way around the outside of the ground, you can walk all the way around it, and they have statues of the mo- the most legendary, uh, you know, Australian cricketers. You got well, I mean, just off the top of my head, you got Shane Warne, you got Dennis Lilly, you know, all all sorts of players like that. And actually, what you said, Tony, is a great idea. You know, maybe we 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 cherry pick about you know six, eight, ten. I don't know how many statues to these players, Jonathan. Sounds like a good idea to me. Uh, I'm not madly keen on it, actually. No. Well, we won't. Ah, you're right. a heathen. You're a heathen, Mister Kid. Heathen, I tell you. We won't, we won't right, be erecting one to you. Sorry we won't be erecting that. one to you. Frank Lampard. Oh, well, completely brilliant, brilliant player. Um, we were. We. It's very. I find it very difficult when you're watching great players to appreciate it how wonderful they are. I mean, you can say at the time, "Oh, they're great. They're fantastic." But you always worry about the team and their position in the team. It's only after they've left and you realise how wonderful the team was and what a great player they were. They, they were. You then think, "Oh God, I was wish I wish I was watching that team again. I wish I was seeing them play again." It's 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 very difficult to. Uh, you can appreciate them, but not. I find not as much as when they've left. I always then think, oh, "God, that was a great period of watching Chelsea. What a great player he was." So, uh, well summed up. 
All right. Exactly. Okay. After the break, we've got some uh, unbelievable emails uh, from the lovely Alan Gavarin, Julian Spranger, Barrett Duperon, Paul Marjoram, and Anna Lee Press, and uh, at least two of them might well make me cry. And I'm very much hoping, Jonathan, you have your mic in the right place and you don't dip in or out because I tell you what, mate, I would say <laughs> that this is the best crop of emails we have ever had, Jonathan. So there's no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> Fans, real opinions. I'm Jason Cundy, and you're listening to the Chelsea Football Fancast. Up the Chelsea Footballfancast.com. Okay, welcome back. I'm Stanford Chidge, and uh, as you know, or you should do by now, you are listening to the Chelsea Fancast. Now, uh, I have bigged this up massively this week, but we do have, I mean, they're really just brilliant uh, emails. And we were just talking off air a minute ago about, you know, uh, yeah, you know, my views on the fan cast and, you know, how long we've been doing it and all and one day it will come to an end. But when I when I hear emails like this, it makes me realise, uh, you know, that it, that will be a very hard thing to do. And that's all I'm going to say. So anyway, uh, over to you, Jonathan. OK, email from Alan Gavaran. If we win the Premiership, I can't bring myself to say when. I know we're nine points clear, but I'm afraid of jinxing things. I'm a 56-year-old Chelsea fan, for Christ's sake. If we win the Premiership, I think Roman should send an email to the Premier League and say, don't bother with medals for all of our squad. Just give us one bloody big medal for our genius of a manager, Antonio Conte. Make no mistake, if we end up champions, it will be 99%, 99.9% down to the best new manager to come to the Premiership since he who shall not be named, HWSNBN. We have been here before when HWSNBN arrived. He took a talented squad that had not won anything apart from qualification for the Champions League and barnstormed his way to the Championship in 2004-2005. This was HWSNBN's triumph more than anyone else. He transformed the squad, the team, the mentality and the tactics. From then on, this team became bona fide champions across the full range of domestic and European competitions. Chelsea in 2016-17 was a different proposition. Yes, we had been champions in 14-15. Four of the squad won the Europa Cup in Amsterdam and two won the Champions League. But the champions of 14-15 were also the embarrassing failures of 15-16. When Conti arrived, he had to pick up the underachieving squad and resume battle with a larger group of rivals, all who had improved their teams over the summer. Conte had never played or managed outside Italy, had absolutely no idea what a cold Tuesday evening at Stoke even meant, and certainly had never even heard of Robbie Savage. After an (laughs) underwhelming first few games, after an underwhelming first few games, even though we won the points, the true scale of the task was revealed in the horror shows at home to Liverpool and away to Arsenal. Yes, Conte changed the system to three at the back, but some of you, your learned contributors are fond of saying systems don't win matches, players do. Oh, change. I wonder who he's talking about. This always makes me think of Newport's finest goldy-looking chains, guns don't kill people, rappers do. Conte changed the system, but A, he had to teach the squad how to play brilliantly, and B, he had to get them to buy into his vision. Being a serial Serie A winner as a player and a manager, 
in a league where three at the back is the orthodoxy must have helped. But it must be more than that. How did he spot Dave as one of a back three? How did he find an average Bolton and Sunderland fullback and turn him into a buccaneering wingback? How did he spot that N'Golo Kante would make such a brilliant midfield dynamo? All right, that one was a bit easier. You only have to watch Antonio in action, both in his media duties and on the touchline, to see what an exceptional man he is. Stories about how great he is with all the staff at Chelsea is the cherry on top of the cake. Wait, I hear to exclaim, don't the players deserve some of the credit if we win the Premiership? Well, frankly, no. Technically, yes, of course. But after last year, they need to realise how lucky they were the day Conte walked through the doors at Cobham, which I'm sure they do. They are, they are serial winners too, which is why they've taken up Conte's vision so quickly and so well. But that only makes last year's aberration so much worse. Whether it was down to HWSNBN, laziness or some other reason for the palpable discord, the underperformance was unacceptable. When we win, when we win the league again next year, but when not if, when, not if, I will be happy for them to get medals too. I can't believe how lucky I've been to see possibly the two greatest managerial newcomers to British football at my club. Actually, I've seen the three greatest newcomers to British football, as Arsene Wenger's contributions to Chelsea Football Club have also been exceptional. I want to end, <laughs> I want to end by setting Conte in a remarkable tradition of fantastic Italians at Chelsea. Conte, Ancelotti, Viali and Zola would probably come in the top 20 of greatest ever Italian footballers. And they've all made amazing contributions at Chelsea. Although Robbie Di Matteo might not make the Italian top 20, he won a Champions League for bleep's sake and all lovely blokes to boot. So, Roman, get out your iPhone and start writing that email to Richard Scudamore at the Premier League. Just one bloody big medal, please. Alan Gavaran. And his email is at Rootless Cosmo. And he deserves people to write to him and congratulate him on that email. Uh, as always, a, a, a brilliant uh, email from Alan. A very considered uh, man is our Alan. And I, and I like that. There's a very, similar, uh, a very similar email coming up, actually, Jonathan, from the lovely Julian Spranger. Julian Spranger. Hi, all. Following our latest display on Saturday, slapping the arse 3-1, I felt compelled to make a comment on the fantastic job that Antonio Conte is doing with the team, which I believe probably goes into the club beyond just the first team. What a contrast this season is to last, when our special bottle seems to turn from vintage to vinegar in a matter of months. Don't get me wrong, like any Chelsea fan, Jose will always be special to us, but it became difficult to defend his actions, particularly out with mates. Or, on, or Monday mornings at work. After the Hull match and the sickening injury to Ryan Mason, I thought I'd entered some sort of parallel universe compared to last season. Conte's respectful response was exactly what was needed, and even the plastic Chelsea fans' actions got great, great praise from Sky Sports and Match of the Day. When did that ever happen? Meanwhile, Mr. Um, Winger was swearing at pushing the fourth official and quite rightly getting a touchline ban. In contrast, Conte's thoroughly decent behaviour and manner all season has already shut up more than a few ABCs. A few observations on what he's brought to the team play. It's great to see players like Moses finally getting a chance. He may not be the biggest name or most gifted, but he's proof of a team that is greater than the sum of its parts. Kante, we already knew he had a wonderful engine and was a great tackler, but Conte has allowed him to express himself and show he's a great passer of the ball too. Hazard is back to his best freed of some of his defensive requirements. Costa fit and focused, and Louise, need I say more. In addition, the chance for some of the youth to be included. We'll wait to see who makes the most of their opportunity. 
However, has Fabregas been Conte's masterstroke? Rumour has it that Barca no longer wanted him as he ran out of gas and only had half a season in him. This was slightly borne out in the title-winning season as he certainly wasn't as effective after the new year. Conte has kept him on his side while he was not getting the game. And more recently, he's come on as a really effective impact sub when a bit of class was needed. I'm sure he'll feature more and start more as we move through the remaining matches. At the start of the season, I felt a top four finish and possibly a cup would be a good season. I still would settle for this, but fair to say Conte has raised all our expectations so much higher. Lastly, a note of thanks to all of you involved with the fancast and the effort you all put in. Putting out a podcast on the 2nd of January deserves special credit. The work on the various sound levels has really paid off, but... <laughs> but could someone gaffer tape Jonathan to his chair to save him fading in and out like some old oh radio <laughs> one for the kids there look I I'm, I'm promise I'm I'm not moving around I'm just here I'm by it I don't know what uh. and it says and he says finish it up with keep up the good work and come on you blue boys Julian J PS whilst we all enjoy Alex and her acerbic comments comments could she turn the potty mouth down from 11 to 5? Ooh, Alex. Ooh. <laughs> Why no. is it? It's Why you that no. complaining about. It's Why you. is it like none of you lot knew how to swear before I came on the podcast all of a sudden? It's like I'm pick on Alex tonight. I'm backing you up, Alex. Uh, look, that's a great email, Julian, and uh, I, I do promise to buy Jonathan some Skype headphones so we can cure whatever the thing that... I mean, I believe, Jonathan, you see, I'm, I must... I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to nail this to the bloody post, I tell you. I actually... I know Jonathan, and I believe Jonathan, that when he says that he does this podcast, you know, he's got... He's probably got his own studio knowing Jonathan. He's, he's teched up to the eyeballs, and he's a professional. So I believe him when he says, Chich, I am not doing anything, you know, wrong to cause this. But for some reason, it, it does sound a bit in and out a lot, you know. And, I, and, I, and I, I personally, I hate it because I like to hear what Jonathan has to say during the show. But also, I, I love it when he reads these emails out. So I, I am now officially going to go on a mission to make sure we can, you know, get him some headphones, a headphone set or whatever it is to try and make it sound better. Because I think that we all miss out as a result of that, Jonathan. Oh, thank you, Chid. I do occasionally go off and dance naked in the corner of the room, of course. That's the other thing, mm. you know. Yeah, we hear thank that. You. Oh, you hear that again. <laughs> Just an odd slapping sound. Yeah, yeah you thank get, you. You get all the, uh, all the metalwork as clanks together. Um, if, you were, if, you were at, if you've got to turn it down from 11 to 5, so say, mm. we, say we just multiply it by 10, so it'll be 110 to 50. So yeah. You can officially do. Um, uh, we can do fifty swear words, can't you? According Excellent. To you. Well, yeah. I Which... think less le less is more. Uh, Jonathan, we got loads more emails to come, so I'm going to push you because I know that one of them is exceedingly long. Oh my god! Yeah. I've been doing a, a, a corporate job, which took me two hours, and uh, and here I am. And strangely enough, I feel my voice feels in good uh, good fettle actually. Um, this is from Barrett Duperon. Uh, Duperon. Um, Hello, Chidge and the boys. Love the podcast. It's top notch. We love that. Last year, my wife and I were lucky enough to make the trek from London to catch the West Ham match. While it didn't start off that great, like many matches last year, the boys fought back and rescued a point through a Fabregas free kick right before half time and a penalty in the second. This year, we were able to plan our trip around the Crystal Palace and City matches. My question is actually about the Bournemouth match away the following Saturday. We'll still be in London and they're looking for a good pub close to the bridge to catch the match. Any suggestions would be appreciated. Thanks again, and up the shelves. Barrett Duperon. 
Um, well, as the well, the, as I am the official boozer in Chelsea, um, well, that's a good question. I mean, the first thing that struck my, my, my mind, Jonathan, was the, that we don't even know if that will be on television yet. So that's a bit of a concern yeah, for yeah, him. True. Yeah, It's unlikely, isn't it? It's unlikely. Yeah. Can't you get a ticket to the game? Can't, well, can't um, get into the game. That would be easier. Well, you know, that, well, Bournemouth will be really hard to get a ticket because the allocation's so low, um, as I remember last year. But um, Of course. The one thing I would say is that if it is on the television, there there are. I mean, you know, the cock will show it, no doubt, won't it, Tony? Because they've got they've got the games on there. The yeah, goose, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, the goose, there's plenty around there. Yeah, yeah, the goose, the elk, those kind of pubs, they'll all have it. Uh, the pensioner, of course, that'd be a cracking one to watch it in, wouldn't it? I suppose. But there you go. So there are there are plenty of pubs around the area, Barrett, that will be showing it. Of course, you could always go to Frankie's. Uh, at the ground, you know, quite a lot of people do that, so that's always a good place to to do it. But try and get yourself a ticket; that's much more fun. Okay, Jonathan, uh, this I tell you, this this might reduce me to tears. This uh, this email it is just a cracker. This is from Paul Marjoram, Chidge and the boys and girls. Oh, sweet Alex. Um, <laughs> a few weeks ago, one of the emails on the podcast asked you all for your non-obvious favourite Chelsea memories. As someone who was a regular at the bridge and at many away games before leaving the country 25 years ago, I thought I'd offer a few of my own in the hope that some of the old timers on the show, hello, JK, (coughs) hello, Paul, might remember them as well and maybe even chime in. Not all memories are of good results, of course. So let's start with a few of the bad ones. Who of you remembers a particular home game against Vinnie Jones and the Wimbledon gang? We lost heavily. 5-2, 5-2, I was there, yeah. But I remember the game because from the minute that big Doug Rugby stepped onto the pitch, it was very obvious that he was, very, very obvious that he was going to get himself sent off. He was running around as if his pants were on fire. In fact, it was the most mobile performance I ever saw from big Doug, fouling any Wimbledon player who was foolish enough to stray nearby. For years afterwards, I wondered what the hell was going on that day. Only recently did I learn through an interview with the big man himself on Chelsea TV that he'd been talking to his teammates in the dressing room before the game, telling them that they must not let the crazy gang, who were a very physical side, intimidate them. He vowed to go out and show the Wimbledon players who was the hardest player on the pitch and prove it he did. No one was harder than Doug. As I remember, he only lasted 20 minutes or so before he got his marching orders. (coughs) But I would always look back on that day fondly. Tony, Tony, are you, are you? What happened? Are you having a wee? No, I was laughing my head off at that. <laughs> well, you're good. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, laughing came, came across as a strange kind of of. Laughing. No, no, no. I like Sorry. that your immediate Jeez. assumption was that he pissed himself. <laughs> <laughs> of course, other heavy defeats stick in the mind as well. And let's face it, there were plenty in those days. Who was that poor fullback who made his debut against Nottingham Forest and was run completely ragged by Franz Carr? Carr was not a great winger, but he may be the fastest player I've ever seen, and he completely roasted the poor debutant that day. I can't remember that, I'm afraid. I also remember a game against West Ham in the days when Frank McAvenny, Tony Cotty and A.N. Other, was it Ward, were in their prime. They beat us something like 4-2, and as the goals went in, I remember standing in the shed feeling very angry, but also being quietly awestruck by the movement those West Ham forwards showed when they attacked. They came at us in waves, running directly towards the shed, with players making runs off the ball in every direction. Couldn't help but secretly admire it. Happily, it's that sort of movement that we're also seeing from Chelsea on counter-attack these days, but with even better players. So it's not surprising that most opposing teams simply cannot cope with it. My favourite memory 
memory, as with many, is being there on that sunny August day for the first game of a new season back in Division One, stood in the clock end. Mm. Fantastic it felt when Kerry hit the back of the net to make it 1-1. I was there. But that one is an obvious choice, of course. So here's my favourite non-obvious memory. And I'm curious to see whether any of the panel can work out what it was that made this game stick in the mind before I reveal the details. The setting was an evening League Cup game against Fulham. As I recall, the match was mostly fairly uninspiring and we won 1-0 with a goal from Kerry Dixon from the edge of the box. However, every now and again in sport, you witness a performance that results in you leaving the ground thinking, I will never see someone play better than that as long as I live. That night saw one such performance. Can you remember who it was? Was it Bobby Moore? Um, we were, were not a great team in those days, and so Fulham had their fair share of the ball. As I recall, they rained down shots on our goal. Oh. But Eddie Nidzvicki was having one of those nights. No matter what they tried, he saved it. He was keeping us in the game single-handedly. This culminated in Fulham eventually being awarded a penalty. As Eddie related in an interview after the game, <coughs> to the referee about the penalty award, the referee said, stop complaining. The way you're playing tonight, you'll save it anyway. Eventually, the kick was indeed taken, and Eddie, of course, saved it. Absolutely nothing was going to get past him that night. And at the end of the game, he did a ce celebratory forward roll in front of us away fans. As I walked back to the station afterwards, I thought, as long as I live, I will never see a goalkeeper play better than that. And I never have. So there you have it. Some good memories and some bad, but all part of why we love the game. And how fantastic it is to see the team playing so well this year and creating new memories that are just as good, such as the remarkable performance against Everton. Apologies for the length of the email. Please do edit it however you want. It's unedited. And sincerest thanks to all of you, but especially Chidge, for all the hard work you do to put together the show <coughs> this week. <laughs> for those of us who can no longer get to games in person, it's fantastic to have a little bit of the bridge brought back to us each week as we head down the freeway to work. Up the blues, Paul Marjoram. Well, Brilliant. there you go. You oh, know, wow. when it, whenever I doubt uh, why the hell I do this, uh, that reminds me why I do. So, Paul, thank you. What lovely comments. What brilliant, brilliant stories, though, Jonathan and, and Alex and Tony. I mean, you know, it brings it all back, doesn't it? You know? Yeah, that's, that's what being a fan is about, isn't it? That that mm. kind of... And, and the good and the bad, you know. As, as I said to you earlier, getting drubbed 3-0 by City and standing in the pub afterwards watching all the Tarquins and Arabellas complaining about a few of us singing a song. Great, great stuff. <laughs> I love all that. That's what it's all about. Mm, absolutely right. Now, if you thought that that was a, a, a wonderful email, um, which uh, just evokes some great memories and stuff, and... You know, reminds the uh, miserable old git that is Chidge uh, as to why we actually do put in the time and effort to do this. Then you need to read this one out, Jonathan. From this is a young lady. I should tell you that. Uh, uh, I mean, you know, she used to listen to the fancast a long time ago, and I think she used to come down and see us in in uh, in Putney uh, in the back in the old days. And she she writes for Miss SW6, or she used to. She's absolutely lovely. And as I said, I had the absolute privilege of drinking with her on Saturday before and after the game, and. When I read this, I, I tell you, there was a tear in my eye. Check this out. This is gold dust. Annalie Press. Hi, Fancast boys. Even though I've been listening to you for many years and had several beers with you, 
with my first letter to you. I'm writing to thank you for helping me maintain my sanity and joy of life as I work in a misogynistic environment in the saddest place of all. Doke. <laughs> <laughs> Putting my earphones on and listening to the fan cast is not only muffling out all the negativity around me, but is also cheering me up because there isn't a jollier, friendlier bunch than you, boys and girls. And every time I listen to the show, I feel like I'm in Putney having a beer with you. Gutted, you're no longer actually doing that on air. But there are always match days. I recently started working for a sports-related company where I feel extremely underappreciated, solely for being female, even though I belong to the 20% who actually know sports. The only way I can get through the day without letting someone know what an idiot they are is by putting my earphones on and listening to Chelsea Fancast. I'm in luck with Chidge. The Chidge has started doing pre-match shows with Kerry Dixon because now I have more to listen to. I wouldn't mind you babbling 40 hours a week, Chidge. Can be done. What I, love about, what I love about you guys is how you keep reminding me how wonderful football is. Firstly, there was a period where I felt I was starting to hate football and its fans with all the booing of players, slating of an opponent for something you would excuse if it was one of your own, and the everlasting debate of the real fan phenomenon. Then I knew I had to keep away from the negative side of it and stay true to what I believe football would be about. Realistic expectations, companionship, and above all, loyalty. You keep saying what I've always felt, never boo your players. We're currently facing that problem with Branner, who has faced his fans' anger for a long while due to loss of form, and even after his departure. Not a legend, or thank goodness he's gone, are common posts I see on social media. There is one reason, and one reason alone, why everyone should give him a farewell salute and kind words. Loyalty. He's been with the club for nine years, having been a rock wall while bouncing in a goal or two, including that goal that won us the Europa League. I urge everyone to remind yourself how you used to love him and be proud of having him in the team. <coughs> Even if he moved on to Spurs and snapped the trophy from under our noses, I'd still smile thinking of his butt. Fortunately, many fans do give him high praise. We are a classy bunch after all. I'm what they call a bandwagoner. I started supporting Chelsea during the Roman Empire, so naturally I feel very uncomfortable when asked how long I've been a supporter. It doesn't in the slightest prove how much or little I love Chelsea. All it proves is that I had shitty access to Premier League in my tiny home country a thousand miles away. You don't care about that and you've helped many of us in America, Australia or Portsmouth feel comfortable about being late, late bloomers as long as we give our two cents. You always welcome opinions from everyone and that's what makes the show beautiful. To thank you for always welcoming me, I've bought the boys a beer. I'm hoping to see you at the Arsenal game. Until then, up the Chelsea, Annie, the Estonian girl. I want to applaud that. That's Does she by any chance work for a large sports betting company? She does. Yeah, I thought she might. Just the depression in her voice that came across from the email. <laughs> she's, she's a great girl. She's a yeah. she's a great girl. And uh, I, 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 Annie, I, before, I sorry, Jonathan. Well, I, I was going to say, you what? I fancy her with that sentiment. Fantastic. Yeah. I know. She's lovely. And I mean, Annie, I, I know you're listening. And in fact, you were in here earlier on. I don't know if you're still in, 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 in Mixler, but I was I was really, really, really touched when, uh, you know, I uh, when I uh, read that 
email. So thank you so much. And also thank you for the, uh, the little donation to the beer fund. Much appreciated and lovely to see you. Well, Saturday, but that wasn't a, oh she's still there there we go she's just popped up on, she's, she's just popped up on mixler and says she's still here so there you go jonathan what do you think of that eh? oh brilliant brilliant mail they've all been brilliant they're all brilliant brilliant i just love the way that, that all these mails are coming in because it's um and once again it's from people all around the world i just think it's yep. so superb they're listening everywhere and the fact that it uh it it, it you know we we, we Bring something to uh, well, you do, Chidge. It's all you, you. You bring it all to them. Just... It'd be a shit show if it was just me, mate. That's for sure. <laughs> Can I, I just know, say? Yeah. Sorry, I was going to say that those emails are outstanding, um, but they have just masked the fact that Tony just admitted to everybody in Mixler that he likes dog toys. Toys. <laughs> <laughs> I feel this oh, revelation thanks, shouldn't go unnoticed. Uh, I, I, I hesitate. <laughs> I was going to ask him what he does with them, but you know what? I fear the answer, so I'm just yeah. going to move on. I'm going to move on. Uh, before I move so, on, though, before I move on. I... Tony, this is what you do when I'm reading. You go on Mixler and write about, write about sex toys. <laughs> dog toys uh, oh, there's a, it's Listen, a simple spell check thing <laughs> you lot we're way out of time so uh, i'm just gonna say one thing before we do the outro and 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 uh, i only found this out because i was having a sneaky look at twitter to see what steve had been saying but i do re- i do gather and i think she's still in the house somewhere i hope she is in mixler still but it's it's uh, ali fragley's birthday today so uh, i'd like to wish uh, ali a fantastic wonderful lovely birthday uh, from all of us at the Chelsea Fancast, she's an absolute diamond, and uh, she's in here nearly every week. She's very loyal, which is very uh, uh, apposite considering the content of that last email. So, happy birthday, Ali! Now, and you Celia lot, we got... tomorrow as well from the shed upper. Mm. Uh, happy birthday to her too! Right now, we got to go, guys. But uh, before we do, uh, I just want to say thank you so much for those emails. As Jonathan said, they're an absolute special uh, bunch this week. They really were. Now we love receiving them. And as you know, we'll always read them out. So uh, do send them to chelseafancast at gmail.com, preferably before a Monday. Otherwise, it won't get read out. Now, uh, that is all, I'm afraid, we've got time for this week. Uh, Make sure you download the next Kerry Dixon preview show. It's not really a preview show. It's the Kerry Dixon show, really. We talk about anything that we want, because that's how we roll. Uh, Anyway, it'll be out on Thursday, and uh, Kerry and I will be, no doubt, previewing the Burnley match coming up on Sunday, probably having a little bit of a waffle about uh, the Arsenal game as well. And, uh, of course, we'll all be back next Monday, uh, where uh, Jonathan, of course, will be joining me, and uh, Clayton, and uh, Mark Worrell. So expect a less sweary show, Steve. You can listen to that one. Uh, now, don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Chelsea Fancast, me at Stanford Chidge, uh, Jonathan at Jonathan Kidd, Tony at Grocer Jack UK, and the lovely Alex, which is uh, at Churchill underscore Alex. And of course, check out the website, ChelseaFancast.com. Many thanks to the uh, Chelsea Fancast bloggers. Clayton's put up a cracker this week about Frank Lampard. No, he didn't. He put one up about Conte. I do, do apologise, uh, Clayton. He put a cracking one up about Conte. And Tony put an absolutely stunning one up there about Sir Frank of Lampard. And uh, yes, I enjoyed there'll reading be, them. Be more, I'll do a couple more as well. Not about Lamps. Right. I think I, I enjoyed writing that, mate. Yeah, it, it came through. It was lovely stuff. So there we go. Look, m- many thanks to you lot this week. Jonathan, as always, pleasure to have you uh, you know, in the house and reading those emails with the wonderful way that you do them. Lovely to see you. Thank you. Great to be on. Thanks. Tony, as always, a pleasure to have you on the show. We'll get you back very soon when I've done the blooming schedule. Yes, indeed. It was a joy, as ever, mate. Absolutely wonderful time. 
Great stuff. And Alex, uh, fi- finally, Alex, uh, lovely to have you on the show as always, my dear. Always a pleasure. Lampard's more likely to get a knighthood than Beckham now, isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> what a lovely way to end it on. Right, you lot, particularly you lot in Mixler. I'm sorry if we've offended anybody with sweary language tonight. I'll try and clean it up and give everybody soap to wash their mouths out before they start the show next week. Uh, anyway, you lot out there, Mixler, we love you. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for listening. See you next time. Until then, keep it blue, keep it carefree, and keep it chills. Up the chills. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.